0: Tune in to the Neil Prendiville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Another
1: example of what it's like to be a Garda going out to answer calls. Uh, it's the front of many of the Red Tops today and indeed the inside pages where you have members of Garda Shikana who had to, uh, well, they were left with horrifying facial injuries after a vicious attack. Thugs uh, you, and one of them used the Garda's own heavy duty torch uh, to beat him with. Um, there was a woman and two men were arrested apparently we're talking about quarter to one in the morning in Bally firm at a row outside a pub to Gardie respond to the row at the pub and uh, some of it was captured on video footage as things usually are a male officer was left with serious facial injuries had to get uh, stitches and staples to his head a uh, female officer of course was also badly uh, assaulted as well so Gardie beaten in sick attack is the story that makes the sun the star says Garda battered by thugs with his own torch, uh, attacks on Gardi must be punished. As the front of the mail this morning, senior Gardi have called for mandatory sentencing, as in you just will go to jail, no messing, nothing taken into consideration, no backstory, no sob story, nothing. You just can't be doing this, um, and it's a front page that makes ma- story that makes many of the papers. And God knows, there's enough criminality to be getting on with. Uh, to be dealing with on a daily basis from our courts and we see the results of it. There's a story in a minute I'll tell you about a fellow who was out on bail and still up to um, anti, well I was going to say anti-social, but criminality. Uh, There's another story then out of Dublin. I was sent quite an amount of video clips of this uh, over the weekend um, where you have residents in uh, the Dublin area of the East Wall on the north side of Dublin uh, where uh, refugees uh, arrived over the weekend and it's thought that up to 400 asylum seekers, these would not be anybody fleeing war in Ukraine or anything like that. The papers break it down this morning uh, by way of uh, nationality uh, with hundreds of people then gathering outside the building that's been used uh, to protest. And there's been two days of protest there. It's not as if they're racist or anti-immigrant or anything like that, uh, but residents are just very unhappy that their locality is struggling as it is without people being moved in and buses into the old ESB building uh, on the north side of Dublin. Uh, so I will come back to this in, in a few minutes time uh, because the papers talk of it. And so does Micheál Martin, actually. He's even wrote in on this after the refugees arrival, uh, where he talks about the fact that, you know, um, communities need to welcome new arrivals. But they must be consulted beforehand. And the big, one of the big issues with this is, of course, nobody is told that something like this is going to happen. Uh, and, and just buses and coaches just arrive. I don't know whether you actually saw any of the footage over the weekend. An awful lot of them. And it's very worrying, really, because you know, it's, it's, it's an awful lot of single men coming from Afghanistan, Somalia, uh, and Nigeria. And you might have seen uh, the coaches of them coming into the, into the, into the area of the East Wall in Dublin and getting their luggage and what have you. I mean, I don't mean to be disrespectful to them. They, they probably are looking for a better life. But if you're a resident in the area and you see this, you wonder, why doesn't anybody tell us these things are happening? Uh, meanwhile, of course, people wonder as to where in the name of God everybody's going to live. And you have Leo Varadkar making incredibly stupid comments Saw an, an, an interview with the, the Irish Times that he was talking about. You know, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. But we're paying two grand a year more now than we were last year. Average annual rent bills are now two grand by the time you compare now and last November. I mean, it's absolutely insane. And they break down the averages in the papers today, and it's about a 14% increase year on year. And that's Cork and Dublin and any major area. Like Cork now, it's uh, €1,708, euro, the average average rent. Dublin is like 2258 It's absolutely insane. And if you think other parts of the country... Are lower. They're not. Galway is only a couple of euro ahead of us, actually, weirdly enough, and Limerick is only about 50 euro less a month at 1600. So it's absolutely nuts. But the papers do talk of Varadkar today, who says that the grass always looks greener, but you won't find um, lower rents if you emigrate. What an, what an incredibly dumb thing to say. Um, he says cheaper homes may be found in rural areas of third or fourth tier cities. Um, but he says that could be true of Ireland as well if you move away from the major cities. But the response then to what he had to say on Twitter uh, puts uh, an end to that because people who are overseas then are talking about the rent that they pay. Uh, one individual pays €730 Euro a month in Prague. While another is paying twelve hundred euro a month in Clonmel for a one-bedroom flat, another person is paying six hundred euro for a three-bed house in Spain, uh, and it goes on and on. And the average rents then are broken down. Uh, we have Ireland then at about fifteen or sixteen hundred euro, while in places like Sweden it's seven hundred, in Germany it's seven hundred and forty, and Spain it's six hundred and fifty-two. Uh, somebody says that they're in Hungary. For a one room, one kitchen, one bathroom and a large garden, €120 a month, Um, 22 miles outside Budapest. Um, And that's all it is, 22 miles outside Budapest. I bet you there's a a great rail network or a bus network or a tram network. And there's more like that. Even somebody from Paris got involved in it and Porto and different areas like that. So I will come back to that and compare some more of the rents. Mind you, we're still paying astronomically high and it is only down to profiteering. There's no other reason why average rents a year would go up by... €2,000. It just wouldn't happen in the last 12 months unless it was available or certainly uh, being driven by profit. So that's the story on that one. And I'll break down some more of the rental costs again as we go through the morning. But other things, of course, that do go up are interest rates. Have you ever noticed, though, that while interest rates go up on the things that you owe, you never get an interest rate hike on things that you're saving. I mean, years and years ago, interest was ridiculous. I mean, I can go back to the 80s when it was 16 or 17% for a mortgage or a bank loan and crazy things like that. But you also got 16% on money that you might have been lucky enough to have in deposit. Other countries in the Eurozone are paying much higher interest uh, for savings. But here, of course... Not at all. Savers here are earning a quarter of the interest paid in the rest of the Eurozone, according to the front of the Independence today. And many people are finding it so difficult now that they are sick, but they can't afford to go to the GP. They may not have a medical card. They may be working, and they may be cut pinned to the collar as it is. But criminality, where do you begin with that from the courts yesterday? Liam Healan talks of... It's very interesting because you find people involved in burglary coming into the county from other counties. And the one particular court uh, case involves a couple of characters who came down from Tipperary. By all accounts, they came down in a powerful A3 uh, Audi with cloned registration plates. Um, Jail terms of three years and three and a half years were imposed on uh, two of these individuals who carried out robberies in a house in Bandon got away with a large amount of cash. So it's broken down in the papers this morning. They were originally picked up on CCTV uh, in Cashel, apparently, uh, stopped the car, put on the false plates and what have you. Uh, And, uh, you know, uh, the breakdown of the court case this morning talks about the fact that they also had a litre bottle of Dettol inside in the Audi. The guards believe they would have been using the Dettol to clean the house of any kind of evidence, and then there's the story of a fellow went on a burglary and a car theft rampage right across the city and county. This fellow, some passage west um, papers this morning talk of. Uh, Stephen Cullen, a um, uh, rampage of crime across the city and county, carried out several burglaries, stole 14 cars in a short period of time. Uh, he pleaded guilty to 26 separate offences, including three burglaries, uh, two attempted burglaries, five thefts, stealing 14 cars, handling stolen property, possession of drugs at the time of his arrest. Sentencing on that has been put back to uh, January, so we'll be interesting to see what happens. And you remember I was telling you the story recently uh, of the poor misfortunate man who was told to go down to the credit union on his mobility scooter to withdraw cash. Well, the Echo look at that story and others like it with regards to crimes against the elderly because there were some of them before Cork Circuit Criminal Court recently. There was a number of offences um, uh, against uh, different people. In one case, the, the victim was an 86-year-old woman suffering from dementia. Another was a 76-year-old man uh, who had another scam uh, against him. I don't know what the actual scam was, but I do know of one particular one where the householder w- was quoted a price of €39 Euro to clean a gutter, just to clear the gutter on the side of the house. But of course, the same old story. They go up to do that. And they come down and say, oh, there's serious problems with your roof. It's going to cost thousands to repair, th- repair them. Uh, and payment must be made in advance because we need to buy materials. So. It's difficult these days with regards to who's calling to your house and their modus operandi sometimes is, uh, you know, to innocent people is unfortunately believable. Uh, you'd hardly believe this, a, a blind man drunk on a bike and he hits a car, but it's a story that makes this morning's mirror where a blind man who was drunk while out cycling before crashed into a car has been fined in court up in County Donegal. Uh, apparently, the 53-year-old who is technically blind and has a vision of 6 out of 60 going in and out of lanes on the road before he struck a passing car and damaged it. He was lucky that he wasn't killed, blind on a bike, drunk in the middle of traffic. And then stories that dominated much of yesterday's conversation, uh, the butcher's block and the carry-on with regards to the way the owners closed the company and how they dealt with their staff, which really, really and truly, uh, to put it mildly, left an awful lot to be desired. Is picked up in the echo this morning, given the chop by text is the front page and of course no back pay, no holiday pay, no redundancy, no thank you for your service. Just overnight they cleared out the two butcher shops, they pulled down the shutters and the rest is history. Oh and incidentally they even took the tip jars and the marina market story from yesterday. Oh an English drills into this in the examiner today uh, where the operators of the market will uh, appeal the on-board Planola decision to refuse retention um, and they, they, they need to win that appeal to be able to stay in business. Because if they don't, that means they don't get retention. Retention means doing something and looking for planning afterwards. So the paper this morning talks about CPR properties. The property developer Tom Collin is the director of that, although he hasn't made any comments directly himself on it. And a source close to him told me at the weekend that they're going to comply and they're going to work with them, Planola to try and sort this out. Do you remember the issues with the taxi drivers? That if the car was 10 years old or more, it would have to be taken off the road. Stupid, stupid decision. If a car can pass an NCT or the taxi equivalent and it's kept well, it should be left alone. You could get into a two- or three-year-old car that's absolutely manky. You could get into a 15-year-old taxi that's pristine. So anyway, apparently, that has been postponed I uh, don't know for how long, but it means that at least 3,750 cabbies won't be at risk of being forced out of business in 2023. Uh, so that's the story that makes the papers. And of course, Black Friday is ahead. and There isn't a day goes by that shoppers aren't being warned about cyber scams because there could be anything north of 26 to 30 million spent in this country on Black Friday. I don't know what the figure might be for Cyber Monday, but I certainly know that tens of millions a year Like, 45 million was stolen through frauds and scams in just the second half of last year alone. And there are so many different ways that people can get robbed these days, you know, and different kind of scams. So do bear it in mind. There's a big lotto win, apparently. (laughs) Millions are a handy amount of money, but you'd much prefer to li- to win it all on your own. But there's a group of old age pensioners who are in great form uh, above in uh, County Mayo because they scooped the top prize uh, of the million in the draw. And it's a joyous occasion. And they have the champagne out and they're celebrating in the front of the papers today. Uh, and they have a great name for their group called Young at heart. Lines are open, you can text 086, uh, if you're interested in getting involved with this, text 086-8104-106 Pick up the phone on 8 104 106 The
0: Neil Prendiville Show Gold winner for Interactive Speech Program at the EMRO Radio Awards 2022 red FM. All
1: right, so here's what um, Varadkar, Leo Varadkar had to say, to be respectful, give him his proper name, the Taunishta, Leo Varadkar. He's warning large numbers of young people considering emigrating from Ireland amid the housing crisis that the grass looks greener, but they're not going to find rents are lower in New York. I don't think uh, New York is a good example to use, to be quite honest with you, but he hones in on that as an example. But, of course, in the real world, two-thirds of 18 to 24-year-olds and over a third of 25 pluses are mulling over a move overseas. In fact, many of them have gone already. I know of many who have left to go to uh, Australia. And I know of one or two who only left a few months ago. And already they're working. They've got a wonderful place to live. Everything's affordable. The quality of life is fantastic. The weather is better uh, and they're having a great, great time of it. Uh, Good jobs, too. Jobs that they were doing here or were trained here. But he says when people actually get into the reality of going abroad, you're just going to another busy city. uh, You'll see the same problems, he says. So they break it down then with people responding uh, to Varadkar comments uh, on Twitter this morning. Uh, And I gave you a few of them already. Um, And some people are saying things like uh, he's so wrong. When I moved home, my rent in rural County Galway was higher than I'd been paying in a very popular area of London. Uh, another one says a fabulous 5 bed apartment in the beautifully safe city of Valencia 1600 a month for a 5 bed apartment. Somebody says my rent in Hungary for a one room, one kitchen, one bathroom and large garden 120 euro a month. Hard to believe Berkshire in uh, has a fifth of the population of Ireland. But double the amount of places to rent. I pay $1,300 to somebody. And if you looked at Daft now, you'd find very few apartments or homes uh, available. Emigrated to France and pay literally one half of my Dublin rent for an entire apartment. And one other one. I moved to Dusseldorf last year. Same wage and I can afford a massive apartment. My apartment here is literally four times the size of my Irish one. And one very final one. I emigrated to France and pay literally one half of my Dublin rent for an entire apartment. I was renting out a room in a four-bedroom house in Ireland. I've had an eight-fold increase in my living quality, if you take rent per tenant as a ratio. Uh, and then last year, a three-bedroom, two-bathroom apartment in the heart of Barcelona, with all bills included... All electricity, all heat, internet, 1,500, which worked out at 500 euro per student per month. Not a hope of that in Cork for the same students this year. Absolutely not a hope of it. And you would be whistling before you'd ever even get considered to have the electricity, the heat or the internet included. Calls on the way text 86 8104
0: Text the Neil Prenderville show now 86 106 Red FM Okay,
1: to that story that I mentioned as part of the newspapers where Michal Martin says that um, we need to welcome people from overseas but at the same time it's important to consult before they arrive and let people in the localities know about it um, I got uh, videos sent to me at the weekend of men getting off coaches and collecting their, their luggage in Dublin and one, one or two were saying, I bet you won't mention this or drill into this story because it won't, f- it won't fit your pro-government narrative. I am far from a pro-government narrative, I can tell you. But I was interested in it because it's an example of what can happen in local communities when they are not consulted. Um, and the backstory to this is that, by all accounts, uh, there's been a couple of protests uh, as a reaction to it. Uh, but you're looking at 400 asylum seekers who were brought into a particular area of the north side of Dublin. Um, and they'll be housed, although housed isn't the right word for it. These are um, an old ESB building, by all accounts. I don't know what the conditions will be like inside in it. Uh, but the residents up there are none too happy. Uh, Malachi Steenson is uh, a resident of the area, a practicing solicitor himself. Uh, and he joins me by phone. Malachi, good morning. My apologies. Let me just get your phone on right there. You are. Can you hear me now, Malachi?
2: Yes, I have you now, yeah. Okay, so give us the, the
1: backstories of this, because down here what we what we saw was somebody videoing uh, men, a lot of young men, getting off coaches and collecting their, their luggage, right?
2: Yes, and that was on, on Friday night, and that was the first, well, that was almost the first um, knowledge that local people got, the first realization that there was something going on was earlier on Friday and on Thursday night um, vans were arriving with um, beds which were being brought in and people thought this was a bit strange now this is a relatively new building it was the old Wiggins Teep building many years ago and was knocked down and an office block was built the ESB uh, leased it for a period while their um, own offices were over in Fitzwilliam Square were being rebuilt now they vacated the building and the first people heard about this was on Friday night when they saw busloads of young, single males arriving from every country, almost, except Ukraine. Okay. So they like are not where? Ukrainian How do you refugees? know where
1: they were from? Like, the examiner this morning says Somali, Afghanistan and Nigeria. Are there other yes, countries included?
2: Well, well, there are other, and we believe Georgia and... Uh, in reality, we don't know. But what we do know is, and the government has admitted that, this, that they are not Ukrainians. From every because they, they're, as the, the, the situation stands, if you're coming from Ukraine, you are a refugee automatically, mm. right? If you're coming in here and these are people who are coming in under the international protection regime um, where you apply for asylum. So these people are not refugees, they're asylum seekers. There's some of them from Bosnia, for instance. And the conflict in bon- Bosnia ended over 20 years ago. Mm. And I think the figures for applications from Bosnia right throughout the world have a 1.5% success rate in the asylum process right right in Ireland last year we had no Bosnian applicants and the the applicants and the huge increase leaving aside the Ukrainian um, issue the huge increase in international protection applications is simply because Roderick O'Garman said and tweeted this around the world in every possible language that we will give you your own door and a key to your own door within four months of applying. He did, where
1: did he say that, though? I'd love to see actually that in quotes.
2: Well, you can go and you can Google it and you'll find it, um, because he has said that quite clearly. that's, the but so that's pure
1: insanity. I'm just talking there a few minutes ago. Of course, about
2: and we, we've said that's, that's pure insanity. And, and let me just come back to, to, to deal with the, the Michal Martin thing. Michal Martin's junior min, minister, a Green minister, Roger O'Gorman, made the decision to populate an office building in Eastwall we're up to four hundred um, asylum seekers. So, will there be so four hundred?
1: Will there be four hundred men there? Young men?
2: We, we don't know. What we know is that so far, it's all um, young men, right? They have said that they're, and you know, people have expressed concerns about that. amount of young men from a different culture arriving in a community. Right. Okay. Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. and, and what, women, women, and children have expressed concerns, and they may, may be found around.
1: Just uh, with regards to the concerns, would they have been guard vetted uh,
2: or like what's no, the what's the they process? Who they are? Okay, and many and of them, and there is speculation um, that many of them have come from the UK because of the Rwanda policy, which is in fact not being implemented yet, but because of the Rwanda policy, and they are coming straight over. Incredibly, these people are coming in and have a passport. Getting forty percent of them lose their passport between boarding the plane and getting off. It. And do
1: you know that many of those that came into Eastwall had destroyed their documentation? Well,
2: well, we don't know. We don't know anything about them. We don't know who they are. They could be all released um, sex offenders, for instance. Yeah. They could be people who are on the run for various different offences. They could also be countries.
1: economic refugees
2: looking oh, for yeah, a better no, there's life. There's no doubt that, that many of them are. And we have a social welfare system here that is one of the, 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 the most giving in the world, of course you're going to have economic migrants. But, if, if but they might be, be
1: economic migrants for welfare, though. They just might want that, a better but, life. OK.
2: And we have, in East Wall, particularly, it's a very multicultural community. We have every nationality living there, in North Strand, Ballybock, right? we a huge, a large percentage of, of non-nationals. And there's no difficulty with it. And people get on, and people take them as they find them. And, you know, the community as well, gel many of the local businesses are um, owned and run by, by non-nationals. And the locally elected mayor, now it's not a real position, you know, it's just a, a community position, yeah. is uh, Mohammed, a Muslim from, I, I can't remember exactly what country he's from. Yeah. You, know, and yeah. a very, and, you know, so to, to be accusing my community, which has been used and the whole north inner city has been used as a dumping ground. In this asylum process, um, to accuse us of being racist is nonsense. But where will these think, like
1: where will these men eat and and wash and and sleep? Like, well,
2: that, that's a very good question. From what we've seen in the building, they put in basically partitions right. and put a bed into them. The food is being brought in, presumably, and they're being fed in, in the premises. There are no. Remember, this is an office building, so there's not, for instance, sufficient showers and not sufficient um, toilet facilities for 400 people. And when Michal Martin talks about that there should be discussion, the reality is that there was no consultation. City councillors in, in this constituency, the five elected councillors in, in the north our city, we had a meeting with them yesterday. We called them to a meeting. Four of them turned up the uh, Nile ring was an independent, Christy Borkson an independent, Ray McAdam Finnegale and Joe Coslow from Labour and um, Janice Boyle and the um, Sinn Féin. Right, I get you. Um, yeah. There'd be didn't nothing tor- to us no, but did- we know the parties. Didn't turn so. up. Yeah. Didn't turn up yeah, yeah. and refused to attend. So, yeah. you know, what, what, what were de- de- they were called, I got an email from the Department of Children on Thursday evening to say that there was um, an online meeting, briefing, on Friday at 3 o'clock, right? Where they were told that this was a fait accompli, effectively. 400 so, will arrive. Well, they were told that the facility was being used for asylum seekers. Right. Were, I and don't think they were given any numbers.
1: I mean, your, your background is in law, I think also in, in criminology, in criminal law. Um, yeah. What, what, what would happen if, if many people, many of the men, arrive in Dublin airport without papers, without passports, without proper documentation, why,
2: why would they be allowed into the
1: country on that basis?
2: Well, that's, um, I, I can't, and, um, you know, this community can't come to a conclusion an, and answer on that. We don't know. I know that if I get on a plane but, in London or yeah. Berlin or anywhere else, I have to have a passport. But the chances are you did
1: get no, the chances are you did get on the plane in London, let's say as an example with your documents. You wouldn't have got on the plane without something.
2: Exactly. Okay. So So where are those documents between getting uh, get the plane taken off and it landing? But They're for what reason in,
1: would they do? I'm asking you with your law hat on. For what reason would they want to destroy their documents. What if they because got then to hide?
2: Claim, well, what they've got to hide... And I worked for the Refugee Council many years ago uh, for, for a short period as well. So they, they destroyed their documents because they come in then as undocumented. They have no documents. So they can basically spin any story they want. And many of these people... And, you know, many years ago, the, the European Union signed the Dublin Convention which says that an asylum seeker from uh, outside of the EU must apply for asylum in the first safe country they land. It is impossible, for instance, to get a flight into this country from Nigeria, from Somalia, or from any African country. You must go either to London or Amsterdam or Paris or somewhere. So that's the first um, destination, their first safe point. And, you know, the, the system is being abused here. We have, and you see, it is not racist to ask the questions of why this is happening. We have a country and you know, none of us are opposed to immigration, but there has to be a controlled immigration. I can't go and decide I'm going to live in Canada, America, Australia, New Zealand in the morning and get on a plane. I must apply for a visa, I must apply to their embassy. Correct. And they must decide whether they want me there or not, whether I have a trade that will be a benefit to their country. Right?
1: Now but well, would you not think that, that somebody who comes in having destroyed their documentation would be told, you have to get the next flight out, you can't well, you come taught, in?
2: You, yes, you would have thought that. Have isn't, this some that of
1: the, isn't this some of the problems that the, the UK is having with France and the migrants crossing the Channel?
2: Yeah, and, and uh, that's a huge problem. And at least in that case, they're not getting on a boat that requires you to produce your passport. If I get on a Ryan fl- Ryanair flight, or any other flight, I have to produce a passport. <sighs>
1: Would you have would you have a different opinion though if it were say women and four hundred women and children or families or elderly people, for instance? Is well, the real fear that too. they're 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 single young men? That that some of course could may engage in
2: criminality? Well well what we know from the figures in the asylum process, the vast bulk of those who are applying for international protection under the asylum process are not women and children. They are single men. And that's the reality. And you know, People have expressed concerns about, you know, the activities of some uh, some asylum seekers. Not not them all. Many of them will, in time, you know, be um, good, upstanding citizens. But there will also be a a level of people who will not be that. And if we're allowing in unvetted people that we know nothing about, who end up staying here and evading the process for years and then we give them an amnesty it's the same as we did with the tax amnesties you know we let people off evading and and effectively stealing money from from ordinary taxpayers. Yeah I know but I know
1: yeah but I mean like if we have a shortage of labour and wouldn't this be ideal to sort out labour shortages within service industries like hospitality and retail and things like that? Well
2: well, I don't believe that we have a, a shortage of, I mean the hotel industry and the tourist industry is finished because it's impossible almost to get a hotel bed. You look at all of the tourist sites around the country, like Killarney, for instance, their tourist industry is finished.
1: Yeah. Well, a lot of some of it has to do with the fact that there's big money in taking in refugees course, and indeed and Ukrainians is an fleeing war. There's big money in, in, in convents and hotels and uh, holiday home parks that, you know, people the are leasing to the government.
2: The asylum industry now is as drug as, is as big as the drug industry and there is as much money spent in this country on allegedly fighting drugs as there is in the sale of drugs it's a huge industry there are people making a fortune now out, out of this, the asylum process so do
1: you, do you pro- do you protest uh, outside the building uh, will, do you protest when a coach arrives or how does that oh, work
2: no, well what we've done so far what we've done last well the, the, the meeting on Saturday was at 2 o'clock. That was a spontaneous thing. And now we're protesting at the building every evening from 5 o'clock, from 5 to 6 o'clock is the the time. And At at, at the minute, we're blocking the roadway outside of of the building, which causes some disruption, which we don't want to do to to ordinary people coming and going from their their business um, or people trying to get home from work. But we have a strategy in place, and there will be an escalation of activity, you know, because this Building will have to close. Okay,
1: and do you do you block it twenty four seven?
2: Oh no, no, just for the hour.
1: Okay, okay. And have you engaged with any of the young men in
2: there? Well, we haven't directly, and and there is some footage of some engagement by people who are not part of the 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 local protests. Say that that have um, emerged on social media there is a view for them for instance um, we understand where they have to be back in the building at eight o'clock and we have no there's no animosity towards the individuals okay so you know in a sense we don't need to engage with them personally they're not the enemy they're not the problem it's the government decision that's allowing them and using them as pawns and you know you talk about using um, you know bringing in cheap labor is effectively what what, what you've talked about we have a survey at the weekend, which you just touched on earlier, where a huge percentage of our young people can't wait to get out of this that's place. Right, that's and right. And the answer from the tarnished, soon to be he's in denial, is, is well, you won't get your rent any cheaper anywhere else. Yeah. I, you know, the reality is you won't get your rent any dearer unless you want to go to to the highest paid um, parts but, of central London. Or well, I uses New
1: York as an example, which yeah. is kind of lame, really. I thought.
2: And the the, the You know, the Taoiseach yesterday is now blaming us on being Russian pawns, that the, the asylum crisis is because of Russia. There are two problems. There is the Ukrainian issue, which, you know, people can argue about who's responsible for that. But this is not part of that problem. This is the international protection regime where people outside of the European Union are coming in, and we're told we have these moral obligations. We have a moral obligation to the people in this country. We have a moral obligation to the million people that are waiting on the HSE hospital lists. We have a responsibility to the 100,000 children that are waiting on mental health assessments. We have a responsibility to the young children whose chemotherapy sessions were cancelled by the HSE in the past number of weeks. We have a responsibility to young children who are needing not just life-saving operations, but operations on spinal on our spine, for instance, which have been continually deferred, so that they can have a life free of some pain. Yeah, yeah, that is where can't... our responsibility is. Yeah. And what is the government's answer to that? To bring in. This year alone, up to 100,000 people to put greater strain on the health service. Yeah, a
1: lot of those and, are Ukrainian, though, and I know people have issues with some people are very. No, but into if that you as bring well. in
2: 100,000 people, a percentage of them will require medical care. Oh, for sure. That's the law. And yeah. so well, then have, also yeah.
1: strain on the welfare system itself, I know, and medical yes. card system and what have you. Okay, we, well,
2: have, well, we have, I'm, you know, a government that is fixated on, on for instance, the Minister for Justice, Helen McIntyre, is fixated on bringing in hate, so-called hate legislation, which will effectively ban protests like what is happening in East Wall. Mm. And we will all be criminalised. And, you know, just on, on a side issue, I think it's totally unacceptable that the Minister for Justice is off yet again on maternity leave at a time when Gardaí were been beaten to a pulp in Ballyfermot. But why did you, what, what you say that weekend. for
1: sure? The woman has to go on maternity leave. She's pregnant. She's, She's going to have a baby.
2: Hold on. Her portfolio is being handed over to the minister for social welfare, who you would think, with the biggest spending department in the government, has a responsibility to deal with that. If she wants to go off on no problem, we're going off on maternity leave. But another minister should be a she should abandon the position as minister. And the only reason she's been kept staying on as a minister is to ensure that our pension at the end of this government is a minister's pension. Who now, Yes.
1: No, I mean she wants to go back to work after having a baby, man.
2: Come on. She should not. Her portfolio should not be just handed on to another full minister. A full minister should be appointed to deal with the huge crime problems well, that we have. Well, that's this a country.
1: that's a valid point to make. Yes. Yeah. So, just very finally, are you saying now that um, that families are keeping their children indoors? Or is it that bad? Are they very worried about being out after dark, or what? Is it that bad? Well,
2: people are are, are concerned, and this building backs onto an apartment complex where. From the office building, you can see directly into the apartments of which are directly opposite. You know, this is a very close, closely built okay. community, okay. and you know it's an area that has been deprived, and it's an area with huge historical um, significance. So, people who are out
1: Well, you say that wouldn't happen in a more affluent area? No disrespect well, to the area you're in, but do you know what I mean?
2: Well, when it did happen in Ballsbridge in Dublin Four. Two year ago, it was quickly abandoned right. by the state. Yeah, yeah. So if it's not good enough for the people in, the, in, in Balls Bridge then it's not good enough for the people in East Wall. Okay,
1: well listen, thank you for that I wanted to get the backstory story and get up to date and you've done that for me. Thank you Maliki. do stay in okay. touch Maliki Steenson. Just quickly, Declan did you want to jump in on this? Go ahead.
3: Yeah, well, he's, he's after making them a lot of points there. I was at the two protests, um, and I'll be there again tonight. Now, I'm I'm a blow-in. I'm from about four miles down the road in uh, Rahimi. And when Larry Murphy was held in Kulak Garda Station, there, there, there was a big um, gang of men and women from the area went down to Kulak Station uh, protesting about that. And there was nothing racist about protesting uh, have, having Larry Murphy uh, parachuted into us, and there's nothing racist. At least with the with with a, with a lot of women. The the issue with it is the
1: fact that many of them are undocumented, and would be there be a question mark over why they're here at all?
3: That's one of the issues. They they just parachuted these people into East Wall without without saying. Anything, anything to the people, they took them in uh, at night. Even when the first protest was ending, they were still sneaking them in um, at night. Now, uh, a lot of a lot of people in Searsham McHugh etc. in the Green Party have said it's none of your business who we put into into your area. Well, it was it was the. Interested, the people of Kulak having Larry Murphy uh, parishioners. True enough. The okay. okay. The, the, okay. People, the, the people in East Wall have have genuine fears, right? At, at least a lot of the women I spoke to, and because they're ordinary people, they're they're looking for a structure outside of the political parties to put their point of view forward and and, and Malachy Steenson... And but a isn't that
1: kind of anti-man to say that just because they're men p- people are in fear? They may not have any criminal background whatsoever and maybe just economic <laughs> well, looking well, for they, a better they, life.
3: They, yeah, well, they all might be uh, monks for all I know, but all I know is uh, there's footage in Killarney of, of them assaulting Killarney women and then uh, and then asking the men in Killarney for a fight. Right. The women I spoke to from Wicklow last night, their sons are stockpiling rocks in case they're ambushed on the way home. So whatever's going on in Wicklow is not good. And and the people So the what men, should the happen then
1: to people who arrive in Ireland having destroyed their documentation at the before they get to the airport security?
3: Well Again, going on what they do in Australia and, and elsewhere, uh, they should be held at, at at a facility at Dublin Airport. And if they can't supply um, any any explanation, um, they they should be held there or deported. They they shouldn't be released into communities. There should be no preferential treatment for these people who are gaming the system. There are genuine refugees there. I I, I know some of them from East Africa and from Syria, right? So I know quite a few of them myself, right? Uh, Who who are genuine uh, people. But obviously uh, any any person from uh, Nigeria or wherever else, any ordinary person looking for uh, a better life will figure out how to get out of the place. In England, This is according to George Galloway and others. The Albanians are arriving like D-Day, right? Because they want. Well, George Galloway
1: would say something like that, wouldn't he? Yeah.
3: Well, 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 he's saying it, and uh, um, other people are saying it too. That they're, you know, it's mostly Albanians and Georgians, right? Now, a lot of them simply want a better life, but a lot of them will network through uh, the drug industry, and, and, and the Irish, of course, are no innocents at any of that themselves. So, the basic problem here is our political leaders, all the way up and all the way down and all the way across, have no strategy whatsoever. Let's put a million people into Cork, for example. What will those people work at besides selling cappuccinos to each other? If, if you look at how Dublin, including East Wall, expanded, the the there was a plan to it cleaning the slums and then building the housing estates of marino and uh, donny carney etc so 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 people could commute to work there's no plan just sticking as many people as you can, not only in East Wall, but half a mile up the road in in uh, Clonliffe Road. I know, I get um, that.
1: I mean, I understand that there are other areas in Dublin. What I was trying to concentrate on was what was happening up there and who, who was coming in and, and where they were from. That's We've that's a, we have a better idea point. of it now.
3: That's the flashpoint. It's beside Fairview Park and the women I spoke to said... Uh, that they wouldn't take their children into Fairview But isn't, that, isn't that
1: racist, though? Isn't that You're, like, you're, you're already just making a point that because they're men, they must be a risk.
3: Well, 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 hold on. I'm from a generation, and I'm sure Maliki Steenson is as well, and I'm sure you are. When we see a, wo- a woman coming um, in the other direction at night, we, we, we give her space so that uh, we don't feel threatened. But who's to now, say these men wouldn't do likewise? <laughs> Well, well, well. A lot of the, a lot of them would be the very same, and, and, and better better than us. And, and given what goes on in Ireland, that's a pretty low uh, uh, That's a pretty low benchmark. But looking at the footage of Killarney, looking at the All footage right. of Kinnegad, looking at the footage of of uh, Wicklow, and seeing what's going on here in Dublin at the moment, those women are dead right to have concerns. Okay. Now, Uh, And they're trying to express them. And because they're ordinary people, you know, and they're they're afraid of backlash on housing lists and stuff like that if they open their mouths. Mm. But because of that, they have people like Malachi Steenson and others trying to put structure... On their protests and listening to Maliki Steenson, there we can see that there's a thousand issues, right? From yeah. economic, yeah. And we went through that down. with them.
1: But it, are you saying that be careful because it could be your community next, kind of thing?
3: Well, it, it, it seems to be every every community. Like like there were people from me there as well last night, all telling all right. though, right? horror stories. Horror stories.
1: What now, do you mean by that?
3: Well, well, well. Again, uh, get people on from me then. Me than Wicklow about that, that 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 they're parachuted in and there's you know there, there's a lot of, of men is what we're talking about but not exclusively right and um the, uh, some of them uh, are not on the straight and narrow okay. so people are uh, people are uh, concerned about that with very good. Um, reasons there, there's a lot of as in
1: criminal uh, opportunists amongst them.
3: Well, well, well. Again, if you come to a place, uh, you, you know, I like when, when, when the Republicans lost the Civil War uh, here in Ireland. Um, a lot of them, including Dan Breen, uh, Dan Breen went to um, uh, America and he worked in a speakeasy. Right now, uh, so you have to get work, and there's plenty of work. It seems in the drug trade. Right, so you know you, you have to get money, and um, uh, but it's it's not it's not their, it's not primarily their fault. It's the fault of uh, the political parties who, according to Malagie Steenson, some of them wouldn't even look at uh, uh, meet them. And some of the comments by the local politicians and further up the food chain okay. were actually quite disgusting. Okay. The people of East Wall and other areas, uh, Ballybock etc. They have genuine concerns. And it's the job of Mary Lou McDonald, who was booed, her, her, her effigy was booed last night, uh, to express those concerns. But all they can do to their electorate is call them racist and call them names. They're yeah. not racist. Yeah. They're just interested in the World Cup and, and you know
1: taking their children for walks etc okay. Okay. Um, and that's all being messed up at the moment ok thanks Declan thank you text 0868104106 pick up
0: the phone on 0818104106 get it off your chest Call Neil Brenderville now on 0818 104 106. OK, we have, uh, we have a problem. Um,
1: what, what problem? Well, this no is, problem. This is Gate version 2, or m- m- <laughs> number Sight 2. Yeah, two. <laughs> OK. You, you um, also are in this buster, aren't you?
4: Yeah, I was in the... the we did two busters. Um, uh, one, no, no, one, uh, one, what, what team did you get? One, and uh, the second one... The, what, te- what teams did you get? The teams were drawn out by uh, Ms. Lan O'Connor, news editor and... See, when you're explaining Peck, you're character.
1: Character. losing, right? Only for the
5: second... Sorry now, only for the second...
4: You know role. that
1: he gave me Wales and,
4: uh, and what are the odds on Wales? Like, well Claire did the first draw right so landed did the second draw. And uh, in the second draw, um, what second draw? Wales are poor. Though. We did a second buster.
1: We'll, we'll be here all morning if you don't answer my direct questions.
4: <laughs> what? And um, country? Did because you? Because I was the like we needed to fill out the buster, Jeez. right? Because we needed to. Um, I needed to have a draw, basically. So I entered the, as the last team, and um, because Resting Kevin Galvin actually pulled out in a huff just Resting before nine o'clock, account. so I took Ge- I took Kevin's spot, and Lana very kindly drew out Argentina for me because it was the last team did remaining you in pot you one. Got ar- Argentina.
1: Oh, I in the got buster.
4: Argentina yeah, did, actually, in the
1: buster. Yeah. Right. Okay. Did you get
4: Wales neither?
1: I got Wales. Yeah. Yeah. What are, odds, what are the odds? What are the What are the odds on Argentina to win the World Cup?
4: Uh, pretty high. They're second favourites. Okay. What are the odds? Uh, I can't even remember now. I think there were somebody some...
1: tell me the odds five for to Argentina. Two maybe five to one. Is it five to two? Maybe.
4: Yeah. It's, it, they're, they're second favourites anyway.
1: Five to two. What are the odds on Wales? Uh, not
4: a uh, hope. <laughs> one
1: hundred and seventy-five <laughs> to one. Close. Close. Yeah. So, I think this is victimizing my team because Kevin got um, Morocco at 300 to 1, <laughs> right? And Seamus got Qatar at 1,000 to
3: 1. But one moment now. Claire got an excellent team. That doesn't matter. They're she second draws.
1: Well, she got Brazil as well. She got Brazil in the first draw. So, why would you get Argentina and I would get. Because
4: Wales. we did two draws There's the play. Now, why,
1: why were you lucky enough <laughs> To get Argentina
5: Because Because <laughs> we can't fix it For you to get the best team But the president. guy who
1: set up the draw <laughs>
4: you know, and Got Argentina The only reason I'm in the draw Is because Kevin Galvin Withdrew in a half this morning So I took his place So Kevin Galvin Would have gotten Argentina Had he not withdrawn And on top of that then
1: Lano O'Connor Who works across the desk from you Did the draw
4: Yeah I did it was observed by Kate, actually. In observed yeah. or uh, absurd? which is <laughs> we get an
5: independent observer in Mark and Kate O'Harley.
4: Well, that was going to be my question, Neil, because I got Qatar twice. No, you didn't. I sent out an email correction so uh, I didn't is, get is, a I think toys. it should be this abandoned and
1: redrawn <laughs> independently of either of the
4: two of you i <laughs> serious no judge's decision is final i the judge therefore can I Can
0: Can I? Can I, can I uh, defend my defamed name here by no Richard Hagen inside sport. oh no. yeah
6: see see all of a sudden it's like beef over there in the corner just making decisions with no accountability at the end of it Great. I, the reason I went off in a so called huff was because Rory told me well look if you get the same teams in the second draw as you did in the first that's just tough and I thought well what's the point in spending a five to get the same teams again it, 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 and then everybody else <laughs> yeah. including
4: Claire and Seamus had their teams changed if I'd known that I'd have more than a half people highlight. thank you okay. now wait a second
1: because no, I, I don't want to do too much on this are you saying that also you allowed people to change their teams no
4: I didn't Kevin was quite right in that people shouldn't be drawing the same teams twice but had he not stumbled off in a huff this morning I would have explained that to him why did you have two draws why did you have one draw because there's loads more staff we did 16 um, people in the first draw and 16 people in the second draw but oh, you got Argentina yeah. I got Argentina is this moral of the story, story here.
3: you're just never going to get your fiver back Neil, and you might just win the tub of roses that goes to the poorest team is the worst team, team. The
5: worst team.
6: <laughs> no I got that with guitar that's <laughs> going to be guitar
0: <laughs> anyway anyway this
1: world cup is full of controversy then. get
0: it off your chest Text the Neil Brinderville Show now, 086-8104-106, FM. Uh, From yesterday's programme on the butcher's block
1: closure, meat sales are being destroyed by climate chain propaganda. They believe we should be eating insects. Uh, Crush business, that's the plan for the last two years. Ireland needs to stand up to this government. They need to be dragged out for their part in the Great Reset. It won't end until we do. It's awful that butcher shops have closed, but uh, like others, I have vouchers that I won that I was keeping to cover our meat costs for the butcher's block at Christmas time. So I emailed the address they said to, but all I got back from the website was address not recognized. What do I do next? Well, one of the things that the butcher's block owners were saying was for people who had vouchers or indeed were part of a saving scheme, was to email that address. So it's worrying now if it's saying address not recognised. The treatment of the staff in the butcher's block is appalling, but you must question the Blackpool Shopping Centre rental prices. Uh, They seem astronomical. However, taking the tip jar is stealing at the end of the day. I hope you get to address the situation in the marina market. I did. Between this, the Christmas light situation, the rents and rates forcing shops to close, are the council trying to kill the joy of our city. Uh, And one or two more. Listening to Tracy losing her job at the butcher's block, butchers are a dying out trade due to supermarkets. People don't go to the butchers anymore. There are lots of people uh, recruiting now. And they'll have to cut according to their cloth uh, this Christmas and less new stuff for the children who have everything anyway. Believe me, uh, it won't do them any harm if they had less. It never did all nine of us a bit of harm. It brought us up to be tough and to appreciate the small things we now get. That's a couple of different points, Marie, including that we pamper and spend too much on our children particularly at Christmas. Uh, we are looking for full and part-time staff. If any of the staff from the butcher's block want to call in with a resume, as from John at Twilight News, uh, Patrick Street, Paul Street and the bus station, uh, butchers are too expensive and are overrated. Uh, particularly in the butcher's block, you get very nice fillet steak in the supermarket now. It would melt in your mouth at half the price. Uh, butcher shops have been shut down to stop people eating meat. This is all part of the green agenda. Uh, you wondered how they managed to get everything out in the middle of the night not being noticed by the shopping centre. The owner has access to the Blackpool shop through the big main car park back door. They didn't need to go into the main shopping mall they cleared out the entire shop, even our Christmas tips, and changed the barrel in the locks so we couldn't get in. It has ruined Christmas for us, the staff. Uh, one or two more texts then. We have a butcher shop on Poppins Road on the north side, Liam Canary Family Butchers. We'd be delighted with a shout-out for their business. Anyone looking for a good butcher shop, we look after them. Please shop local. We're taking orders now for Christmas. We have best spiced beef around. It's a family recipe. recipe. We'd love to look after people uh, and people need to support their local butchers. Uh, special offers also available. That actually, sounds, that actually sounds more like an advert than anything else. But happy to give a shout out to Canary's Family Butchers in Poppins Road on the Marina Market, which is in jeopardy. Uh, here we go again. The best thing that happened in the area. Cork City Council puts another nail in the coffin. Um, they should be disbanded, says Frick. Bear in mind, actually, that Cork City Council has... No role to play in this. It's, uh, well, it would be the planning authorities within it. Uh, So I suppose to some extent your point is probably right. Um, That place down by the marina is overrated. A mug of tea and a homemade roast beef sandwich is a lot more wholesome and much cheaper. But where are you going to get the mug of tea and the homemade roast beef sandwich? You'll certainly get that kind of food and lots more besides down in the marina. Uh, The crap with the market is a joke. They are the same planners that knocked the sextant And left Our Lady's Hospital roofless since the fire. Uh, The marina market was a lifesaver during lockdown, remember. What the hell are the City Council doing apart from raising business rates in the city? Uh, All the best with trying to make contact to Cork City Council, says Ray. Yeah, tell me about it. Uh, Goulding's uh, Chemicals is a red herring. It's only used as a storage depot, nothing more. What are they storing in there, Fred, though? Maybe that's what the hazard is. Uh, typical Fianna Fáil, supporting illegal businesses, rewarding people for completely ignoring the rules that other people have to follow. Who owns the business? Why do the rules of planning not apply to these people in the marina market? Uh, one or two more. Health and safety seems to be the reason why City Council is ruining the city. Health and safety for the lights. And now this. They're a joke. Call a spade a spade. That market is a load of chip vans inside a warehouse in an industrial area. It was permitted on a temporary basis. If this was to be permanent, it should have gone through the proper planning process. So thank you for those. There's a lot more of them. I'll come back to that and lots more calls after the break.
0: Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prendergill now on 0818 Red FM.
1: I'll come back to the calls, texts and comments on different topics across the morning, I promise you that. But I was intrigued by a story that I read in The Echo recently. It's a super article by Sarah Horgan and she talks about a Cork brother and a Cork sister who were adopted separately uh, when, when they were very young um, and then had a chance encounter many years later Uh, unbeknownst to each other until they got chatting they found out that they were brother and sister it's a fabulous story it's the story of jerry O'Malan and val russell and they both joined me by phone so good morning to both of you jerry and val thanks for taking the call morning great chatting with you so what's the backstory the backstory to this is that both of you were adopted as very young children is it out of the sacred heart convent jump in either one of you just to pick up on the story
5: uh,
7: we were actually both uh, adopted from Besber Neil. Uh, my brother Jerry was born in '73, and I was born in '74.: Right? Um, so that's what the story was. And the funny thing is, my and uh, Jerry have both the same biological parents, and all was growing up as a child, when I was very small, I was adopted by my father, Paul Russell, and I had four brothers and a sister. And I kept asking my dad when I was small, "Where's my brother? Where's my brother?" And my dad said, your four brothers are there, I don't know what you're talking about. Now, I was always told I was adopted. There was no big secret in the house. But and were you
1: told him. that you had a biological brother?
7: No, no. You just no, knew? I didn't, no, I do You know, the only way I can explain it, Neil, I. it's like there's a party I'm missing. And when I was a kid, I used to say to my dad, why didn't you adopt my twin? Because I, I had this feeling I had a twin. And my dad said, I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. He said, there was only one of you, girl, he said, and that was enough for me. He said. Yeah, yeah. If there was a second one, he said, I'd have taken both of you, know? So you... I kind of, I suppose, put it out of my head then for years and years and years, you know what I mean? Because yeah. I suppose, like a lot of adopted children, we, we have fantasies. You know, you have fantasies of what your parents are like, where they came from. And I was talking to Jerry this morning, and I had um, two very uh, strange fantasies. One was, uh, I knew I was farmed. But my dad taught at the time I think I was half uh, Indian, but I was actually ended up being half Egyptian.
8: Right, right. And
7: as, as a kid, I fantasized that, you know, my father was this big king, and he probably had this affair with a woman he shouldn't have had. Because it was yonder lived world that you'd never heard about. And Ireland. it's the imagination
1: it of a child as well running riot. It's normal. Oh,
7: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then I went from one extreme to the other. We were learning uh, through school and uh, the Catholic religion that you shouldn't have a child outside marriage. And I thought, jeez, I couldn't have been a Martin's son. Maybe they died. <laughs> so then I made up my next story was they both got killed in a car crash. Right. And I believed that till I was a teenager.
0: And what was and going on? I and just th- let
7: me ask
1: Jerry, Jerry, what was going on in your head at the same time that, that was going on in Val's?
9: <laughs> uh, well, the, as I said, the, uh, it was the polar opposite in a way, Neil. But the, the weird thing was I froze down completely. And. Um, it was like ticking a box, um, as I kind of said, I was going to, oh yeah, I was adopted, uh, you know, how, how interesting, like, but, yeah. but kind of nothing beyond that, just, it was like, yeah, my adopted parents are my parents, and there's some other thing, but it was so alien and foreign, as it literally didn't register emotionally at all at that stage yeah for for someone who
1: somebody went in as a career to directing and writing and scripting movies um, you didn't have as fertile Im- as imagination as your sister then as a young fella
9: <laughs> well do th- you know the weird thing I did but just now, no I was off the wall Neil. Completely i off the wall but um, I just in that regard I, I think I just sprayed some kind of anti-freeze on the old soul or something because as I say in my plays in my think it was the opposite way around um, just with regard to the adoption thing, I was totally shut down to it, which is weird, you know. So we had we had an opposite uh, experience in that regard.
1: But did it did it a time arrive, Val, when you started making inquiries though about whether you were yeah. a brother or not? And I, I think I, you ultimately it, then got to write. Was it?
7: So what what happened was when I when I was I am um, eighteen years of age, I became pregnant, and I suppose when I started going to the hospital visit, they were saying, what's your family medical history." What's your family... I know. And and I was kind of going. She's having the clue. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I did, like it got me thinking. So what I started doing then is I started researching and there was an adoption society that closed on the USB in Paul Street, yeah. St. Anne's Adoption Society. And I started there and they facilitated letters to an agency in Clare where my mother is from. Right. Or her mother is from.
4: Yeah.
7: And um, it took some time and then after that we corresponded through the agency. So this was myself and my mother yes. first, you know. Yeah, yeah. And How did that go for you? Do you know, the, the relationships were a bit strange. The first meet, I suppose, I was saying to people, like, we have a fantastic relationship now, but it was trying at the time because God loved my poor mother when we met first. She was looking for the child. You know, last time she left me, I was a baby. A grown you know woman what I mean? comes
1: along, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
7: and then the grown woman comes along. And because uh, Jerry was born before, I remember having to chat with right Ralph because she said it brought back all the pain of Jerry and then me as well. Of course, but she had,
1: at some stage when you met her, she, she acknowledged you and confirmed that you did have a brother.
7: Oh, yeah, that was, you re- I mean, I couldn't get over because I thought all my life that I had this, just this mad, another one of my wonderful fantasies, you yeah, know? Yeah, and yeah. I thought, this is another one of your fantasies, you know? And actually, she took some time to tell me because she was very nervous. She was afraid I would judge her and... Um, and like my mother has had an absolutely horrific life and grew up in the orphanages in the age of ten months, oh, for you know. God's sake, so I she know. had a very very hard life, you know. And know. she's an amazing, kind, caring woman today. And, like, and we at have what a great st- relationship. At what with her. stage
1: then did you manage to find where Jerry was and begin to write to him?
7: So what happened was um, my when I followed my mother, my mother was saying, "We need to find your brother," you know. And I at that stage I didn't even know I had a brother. And then all my Christmases came together. I thought, "I'm not mad. This is great." And we started writing to the convent, um, uh, writing letters and writing letters, and my mother was ringing them and whatnot. This was down in Besmer. that's the place we were writing to. I yeah. think Sister Mary Sarto and some other nuns was there at the time. Yeah. And at the time, um, and Jerry will explain himself. He wasn't in a headspace really to meet us. So, did you get
1: a letter from your sister then, Jerry? Was it from Val?
9: Yeah. Well, what happened was uh, one of the the nuns in the, uh, actually at the Sacred Heart was a friend of my mother, so um, I got. I was uh, kind of um, uh, giving the, the information and giving the letters from, from each person, one from my father, one from my mother, and, um, and uh, one from Val. And uh, as Val was saying, I was in, uh, not in a good place at all at the time in my own life. And therefore, at that reason, the kind of combination of where I was at myself, which wasn't good. Yeah. And I had just thought, but you're not in a good place yourself, I thought, well, not good, you know, you're projecting your own. I thought, I don't feel good, so nothing good is going to come of this. Or if it is, you know, I'm not in the place to kind of have this right now. So then I wrote back, kind of saying, you know, thanks a million, but we might in the future. And I think they might have wrote every maybe about two years. they Sacred Heart would have checked into me, and I'd be like, no, no, I'm kind, you know, and but i I may in the future, like. And um, as I say, then it it was sick. It was uh, around 2004, of course, that we we went smack bang into each other. So fate intervened.
1: Then what? How did that come about?
7: So, um, so we met we were, well what happened was we were both in the same uh, late night nightclub instinct in Cork uh, out having a few pints with friends I think Jerry was on his own and I was with someone else having a drink and I was sitting down having a chat and I just could feel someone staring at me <laughs> is the only way I could describe it and I was looking over and at the time Jerry was a very eccentric dresser <laughs> he had a full long leather jacket big biker boots I mean you stood out <laughs> sounds great that, actually. It sounds you know? great to me. <laughs> yeah, and I'm looking and saying, What's your man staring at, you know?
1: Pick it up there. Will you pick say, it up there, Jerry? So you're looking across.
7: <laughs> yeah,
9: as and I eventually said, you and decide the weird, to approach. No, the weird thing is I was fro I got I the second I saw her I just froze. I can't explain it. Um I kinda of went into a trance. This whole thing is very bizarre Neil like you know. Um and it was about fifteen minutes I was looking at her. And, um, as I said, then she's kind of saying to her friend, like, just this creep freaking me out, (laughs) which is me, like. (laughs) And, um, the weird thing is, I was just completely, I, I, I am a fluent Spanish speaker, and I'm a bilingual tour guide for excursions Ireland, like, doing the cruise ships and stuff down the coast. And I just started to learn Spanish, and when she's Spanish, i say, like, she's very dark, you know. And I'm going to go over, and I'm going to talk to her, but it's not my style to go up to people. So I was actually terrified, and, um. You know, she's the, last, the last words I said to myself as I kind of went over on rubbery legs was like, he who dares wins. <laughs> and um, as I say then, uh went up to her just said, um, uh, sorry, um, are you um are you Spanish? And then as I was joking, she goes, no, uh, uh, but uh, you look foreign. And I said, yeah, I'm half Egyptian. Val says, I'm half Egyptian. Straight away, because she's very sharp. I'm 49 now. She says, how old are you? I said, 31. said, do you mind to ask you a personal question? I said, uh, no. She said, "Are you adopted? I said, I was. I said, is, your, is your mother from County Clare? I said, yeah. I said, is your, this, was your mother's name Noreen? I said, yeah. Is your father an Arab, Arab living in Cairo? I said, yeah. She goes, what's your court name? I said, Shireen. She goes, Shireen Henry. I said, yeah. She goes, are you Jerry? And I, goes, and I goes, oh my God, I'm only like your sister. And as I said, the, the weirdest thing went through my head. I actually thought, like, can the camera? It's punked. It's a joke. And, but then I looked at her face, and as I like, joked, it's like me at 17 in drag. Same eyes, same teeth, same <laughs> I was going, Oh my god, I should we went bananas, I'm we? like <laughs> And we were you know, we jumping
7: up and down in the bar. I remember that the two of us were just <laughs> jumping up and down the bar, hmm. everybody were looking at us like we were raving lunatics <laughs> and like I remember saying to Jerry, come on and I got him a taxi, brought him up to my house and we stayed up the whole night trying to catch up and 30 years of life that we didn't
1: have together you know in the most light-hearted manner in which I can say this Val you know your brother was chatting you up (laughs) Well,
7: We,
9: we know, had a weird... I could, <laughs> I could say to this day that uh, there was no hillbilly shipping going on. I just, you know, no, I know, I, mean, I know all of that, but I talk about the... Internet. No, but it wasn't even a hint. I, I can't, It was weird, because if you might pick up that weird thing while you were saying as well, you know, about even jumping when I walked. Well, actually, what
7: happened, it, it was another thing just before <laughs> Jerry actually came to the bar. To me, when he walked past my chair earlier on to go to the toilet, I actually, my body inadvertently jumped. <laughs> From the seat, so much so, my buddy said, what's your man have to do with it? I said, Nothing. But I said, there's something really going, you know, freaking me out here. You're very I much tuned in, on. aren't
1: you, Val? You really are, like, oh, very... You know...
7: Listen, there's two things... You were, in the the right, there, you were in
1: the right nightclub for this. Instinct. Very much
7: so. Yeah. I, like I, know, if, it, I was, like really as if joking it was about that with Shirley, yes, I was going... This is why, like, we couldn't have picked a better place to meet up. Like, instinct, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I yeah. think for us, we were saying number one, there's so much heartbreak and uh, you know, terrible sad stories and genuine stories with adoption cases, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and sometimes it's nice to shed a light on some of the nice ones. And you know, we've had our trials and tribulations, and you know, more of them. You know, with our mother and all that. Like, and we're now fab. We've a great family, player. Uh, we want to find the missing puzzle now. I did find our father many, many years ago, and I was in contact with him for about a year, and we lost contact, and we would love to find him again. Was he, no, was he, back, in,
1: was he back in Cairo, Val, was he?
7: So he went, he last, I heard the last words I had with him. He was going through a divorce at the time, and he was uh, living in Cairo then, and he moved. he said he was moving back to Egypt. Um, and I didn't, I suppose, realise at the time that that was going to be the last time I was going to have a phone call or a chat with him, you know. Yeah, I know.
1: Would you like to meet uh, him? Would you like to meet him, Jerry? Oh, I would be. I would, of course. Um,
9: absolutely. As I said, um, just to get his name out there, if I say it the right way, Nasim Ahmed Hamed Amuda. Probably haven't even got it in the right order. But <laughs> I've never even seen a photo of him, Neil. So, um, and we've an Egyptian brother and sister as well so I mean just about eight of us all together it's you mad
1: like would, I, of course I would no? who's got the Egyptian barber that you've been asking for help which one is they that
9: you to, oh, the lads are going to kill me because I, gave, I came right up on Google as well because I get I get the, the hot toe shave there. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't even remember the name like got, they're a the GPO and they're brilliant and I'm in there all the time and they're going to murder me they're probably all crying outside, crying in Arabic <laughs> <laughs> but they were because they're very good like and you should the get the Egyptian
1: barbers wedding, on the case shouldn't you
9: but that's that's what I'm saying. One of the lads over for a wedding, and and he was over for three months, and I think he he didn't get anywhere with it. You know, it's it's my grandmother's um, old address. Like it's a real, you know, you're like talking a needle in in a needle of haystacks in Cairo. Like. Oh
1: God, it would be a wonderful thing, yeah. though, wouldn't it? What about your What about your birth, ma'am? Have you managed to to hook up? Yeah. Well,
9: yeah,
7: we What was that like, Jerry? Oh no, you're gone.
9: Yeah, as I said, um, after I met a few months after I met Val. I, uh, I met uh, my birth mother Noreen went up to County Clare met all my half brothers and like we've all as I say we've all and you know I also when I grew up my adoptive family I didn't know where the I'm an actor and a singer and, and all, I didn't know where any of that came from so sure, when I met the family then they all fabulous singing voices like the, the lads have one kind of bow and stuff and the mother's an amazing singer so I explained where and, uh, and Noreen is some storyteller as well I can tell you that much
1: so well, it's like that's pieces where, of the jigsaw started to fall into place
9: yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, I, I mean, as um, Val was saying, and, uh, I, you know, that kind of farce-cump analogy of uh, life is like a box, box of chocolates, adoption is um, a necessary thing, but, you know, it's a very mixed bag of what you get. Overall, like, we, we've we had an amazing um, experience. There were definitely some bits of it, you know, that are difficult and stuff, but um, overall it's, and, and this is the thing we want to highlight as well, There's a, there's plenty of sad stories and plenty of tragedy around the whole thing but let's highlight it's great to highlight that the good stuff that came out of it as well you know just to give people
1: a bit of an uplift you know absolutely you're like the fella that got pushed in at the deep end like and had no control over it (laughs) it's either sink or swim
9: but look at how it ended I mean as I said the amazing thing Val was actually producing my first feature film like because um, I, I, had a, uh, I did a comedy feature film there at the start of the year and we even launched it in um, we launched it in Clancy's first and then Val uh, charmed the ears off the guy in the old cinema and we screened. But I mean, I did my own kind um, of um, mess take on a James Bond movie. Bond called Bond Delusion. Delusion,
1: yeah. Which yeah.
7: is and, and on YouTube, videos, by the well, way, if anyone wants to watch well, it. Well, uh, you're very proud yeah. of your brother,
1: <laughs> aren't you? <Fairness> I'm <laughs>
7: incredibly, I mean, there's up. no one more proud of me. Wouldn't oh, Jerry? I, I know the story and the journey he has done, and he was two years editing it, and every day me driving him nuts going, is it done yet, is it done <laughs> well, yet? Well, let's get
1: everybody <laughs> to check out the film Bond's Delusion on YouTube, yeah, yeah. for sure we will. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't it be Wouldn't it be yeah. another great chapter if you found your birth dad? Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing?
5: This
9: is I it. think, I think thing we thing can. Yeah. Yeah,
7: yeah, does just
9: know we met, sure, that's the weird thing, well, as I said, he could turn yeah. up in the mo- he, he, From his end, Neil, to be super easy because we haven't gone anywhere. We're just in Cork. And I know he really
7: wants to meet Jerry because, and I said this to Jerry: see, my father never knew I existed. That's another part of the story. Really? Really? Yeah. So what happened, my poor, God love my poor mother, when she she lived in the UK and she met my father, Ahmed. he was um, studying, um, he got a visa to to do uh, economics in college over there. My mother was working, I think, in in one of the hospitals. In London, was it? And they dated... For a while, pardon? In London, was it? Yeah, in London. Yeah. So they dated over there uh, back in the day, as they say. And uh, my mother fell pregnant, came back to Ireland. His visa ran out. He had to go back to Egypt in between the um, the years, you know? Yeah. So when she got home, God love her, the first thing that any uh, everybody did back then was that we were sent to besber, Yeah. So yeah. she was sent to Besbir, um She was writing document. Document couldn't get a visa into Ireland. Uh, my mother was sent to Besborough, and she said, you know, she said, you know, the nuns kind of almost brainwashed her and said, you know, you're never going to get anyone to mind the child, especially it's half-cast, and that was kind of brought up, and that you're very lucky you now with someone here for the child, and all this kind of was, was uh, planted in my mother's head, and she said, you know, um, then Jerry's vet, Jerry was um, adopted, and what happened was my mother got a, par- a job then in bonds in the hospital there in Cork. Yeah. And what happened was, Lockmit got in to Ireland. Now, I think Jerry might have been two months older. They that were day, very much months. in
1: love then, weren't they?
7: Oh, they were. And what happened was, my mother broke out of the They was murdered. She went out to sneak out to find them. And uh, they booked a night in the Imperial. And hence why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I was conceived and- in the Imperial Hotel. <laughs>
1: <laughs> through the, the grief and
7: through everything Jerry,
1: there's a film in this pal there's a film there's a <laughs> script there waiting to be written there's several films <laughs>
7: it's, we talked it's about magic. through the documentary as they were saying through the Stranger in Fiction and, and did, you, meaning, did your you know? did
1: your birth dad then just did he have to leave again then or what
7: so what happened was my mother went back to, he was all, He was upset that Jerry was gone, yet he couldn't really stand by my mother because I think he had an arranged marriage at some stage anyway. Oh, right. Rebecca. Oh, my God.
1: So there was well, a whole other
7: side to that. And then what happened, she followed him back to the UK, and they. Could, so she didn't, when she found out she was pregnant, she said nothing to him and came back to Ireland because she said she couldn't have faced all of that again. And God love her, what happened this time, that was a bit different. She was sent back down to Besborough, but she fought to me nail and took me out of Besborough. And I was rare. She brought me home to Killaloo and I stayed in Killaloo for a few months. And then my mother couldn't, I suppose, emotionally or financially look after me. You know, it was an ideal that she wanted to do because she had lost one child and didn't want to lose another. Oh, and then I was taken into the care system for, I think, three months. And I was adopted on Valentine's Day. And oh so I was called Valerie when I was six months.
1: Amazing, isn't it? I just yeah, it's so much so, of it, you
7: know. You know, it's a journey for her. It's bittersweet like, I mean, it,
1: now, looking back at it, Oh, yeah. isn't it?
7: Oh, it is, and I can only imagine like the, the the amount of emotion we opened up when we rocked in the door. How was it going? Like, I know, you know, I know, I know. <laughs> but
1: at the same time, it was all centered on love. Their oh, love absolutely. for each other, you know, and the and the oh, system absolutely. that prevented it, if you like, you know, it's very it's tragic in that regard, it really is. Oh,
0: I, but what, would, would the would the Egyptian
1: to... would the Egyptian embassy not be able to help or trip to Egypt or you know going through census and things like that? Nothing like that.
7: I suppose we haven't, Jerry. We were laughing. We're, we're lazy lookers. We say we trade it. We haven't really. <laughs> We've kind of talked I about it. We tried
9: everything we tried it and we tried
7: nothing we, isn't
9: that it Jerry we joked that there's, a, there's a, I think there's a blind spot with both of us for that like yeah I mean uh, my hairdresser's is probably not like the equivalent of Interpol you know
1: <laughs> your equivalent Interpol so is the Egyptian take that. hairdresser on Oliver Flunker Street take
9: that as to, you have to be the whole glad about the hairdresser I <laughs> think up. you need to
1: step up a gear guys find your birth dad but there's definitely a documentary there it's just screaming to be made
9: well, we've ta- we definitely talked about that because, um, you know, yeah. so we may we may look at at uh, doing that in the new year. We can do a whole series of interviews with
1: family and stuff. Oh, and will that you about. please stay in touch? Because everybody would be really, uh, you know, we will would would be really interested in an update if and when there is one. Well, we will, of
9: course. Just to say as well, um, I mean, look, I'm on. Uh, I, it's Gerry Omelan Productions is, is the company. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I also have a website. Jerry Omelan Productions and um, you can you know link in with us through that and um and you know, there was the Echo Lives uh, article that went out on Facebook. So we're interactable and contactable in
1: that rhyme. Well. Fantastic. <laughs> well done, well said. Great story. Can't wait for the next chapter or the Thanks next it. update. Thanks so much, <laughs> lads. <laughs> <Thanks> <laughs> appreciate it. Thank you, you Val. It. Thank you, Jerry. Thank great you. story, isn't yeah, it? Care. It actually is a great story on so many different levels. It also shows us the reunification of a, a brother and sister and how that came about in a Cork nightclub and what have you. But it also shows some of the societal changes that we've had, thankfully, from back in the day And, of course, women who found themselves pregnant really had their own lives taken from them and were told where to go and what to do and how to behave and how to live. And that in itself was a tragedy for many of them. Text 0868 104 106. Back after the break. Talk to
0: Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Corks Red FM. I want to talk to
1: Angela, but just very quickly, 100% agree with this text. Wow, what an amazing story of Jerry and Val! What a beautiful story! What a sad story! So many emotions to it. Yes, you're right. Hope they find their dad and that their beautiful mum is doing well. God bless them. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. Unfortunately, Angela's story is not. Angela, good morning. Good
5: morning, mate.
1: I want to pre. I want to say thank you for holding as long as you did. Um, no, now, no, now no. I know that your son was attacked in Glenmire in September, oh, my and dad, I. Kn- my-
5: my grandson.
1: Your grandson, my apologies, yeah. it said son. Well, I, m-
5: I was ringing on behalf of the family to say thank you okay. a couple who intervened.
1: A couple intervened. But what happened, this 15-year-old grandson um, of yours?
5: He was just uh, walking um, in broad daylight, about half six, you know, teenager, like, with his friend. I can't mention any names now at the moment. Okay. And um, he was just walking and this these people, thugs, just seemed to, uh, They they knew they knew him. Let's say they did it for a reason. Um, uh, you
1: don't want to go into the specifics of the reason, do no, you?
5: No, no. Say um, diversity.
1: Okay, okay, well said, well said, um, well put.
5: Yeah. So um, they just, he, one of the guys just went for him, said you're so-and-so and so they... You're an effing
1: yeah. so-and-so, yeah, okay. Yeah.
5: yeah, so they knocked him to the floor and they had, that he was wearing these, I, I call them weapon rings. They're like weapons, you know, they're like knuck, big knuckle dusters. They are yeah.
1: knuckle dusters, for want caused of a better word, yeah. yeah. And they cover a few of the. They cover like three, maybe four fingers, yeah.
5: yeah. But like I thought they were, we thought they were illegal, but anyway. Um, so what happened was he fell to the ground. I said to him, did you try and retaliate? He said, no. And then he said, because if I did, the others would have jumped in. So he said, I just took the beating." So they knocked him through. His eyes were black. His They tore down his nose. with. He tore down his nose with this big weapon ring, I called him. Okay. And um, he was in bits. And then this, this young couple passed. You was down by the J.A. Club. And um, so next thing this young couple passed, and they shouted, hey, so cowardly, you know, as they are, like they ran. But they, you know, the other two were shouting, on no, beat him, beat him, beat him, beat him. They were saying... And um, so the young couples were horrified. They brought him into the J.A. Club. The J.A. Club cleaned him up. Got him, got him home, whatever. And, um, well, we, we never got, we thanked the J.A. Club, but we do not know who this couple is. We just want to say thank you so much for being around because if they weren't there, God knows what would have happened because this is a very gentle boy we're talking about, you know. Of course,
0: the, yeah, of the course, yeah,
5: classes, yeah. Classes and blah, blah, blah.
1: He's artistic, oh, is yeah. he, in that way?
5: Yeah, very much not. Very not talented
1: him. lad. Yeah. Okay.
5: Uh, he, he, he just, uh, I know he's a but he's just such a gentle. And the thoughts from lying on the floor like that, like it's. It's uh, anyway. If it we. Yeah,
1: some, so, yeah. Sometimes they very much have a particular victim in mind, you know. And yeah, of course,
8: yeah. they're all
1: very brave yeah. scumbags when they're in groups it's like that.
8: Yeah. Well,
5: I was saying there to the, your researcher. I said, you know, the sad thing about it, like we were saying when we reported it, like. They were fantastic though, the guards and they were horrified. But um they wanted to gen oh, they wanted him to prosecute but they, he he won't like Did and I won't
1: go into much detail there yeah, apart no, from asking no, you, no. did the guardian you know who beat him up? Yes. Yeah. But with the, without him wanting to do it for his own reasons, there's nothing the guards can do about it.
5: No. Yeah. Um, probably
1: well known to the guards you're saying.
5: Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. There was a there was another incident a couple of weeks before that. Not with another child, but um <coughs> the Something they did. Okay. And, um, okay. A knuckle um, duster dog dog. is an
1: offensive weapon. You know that it's, it's actually illegal it to carry them under the firearms yeah, and offensive we weapons act.
5: We, thought, we that it's illegal. They're, we we thought they're illegal, like, but they go himself and his gang go around with these. Right. But they're they're all so young, you know.
1: Okay. So we know your grandson was is fifteen. How old were the group that uh, that beat him up?
5: They're all about the same age. Fifteen. Absolutely.
1: And has he recovered from it physically and emotionally?
5: Uh, Physically, yes, but um, emotionally, it took time, put it like that. He doesn't go to the school anymore. I can't mention the school now either. Um, He doesn't go to the school anymore because of fear of this. (coughs) Excuse me.
1: You mean the school that he's, the secondary school he's going to? Yeah. He changed schools. Oh my God, yes. I am raging yes, to sad, hear that.
5: It's a sad thing about it is that those thugs get to wear that uniform, which I think is, it's heartbreaking. But I know he's happy where he is. And, but at the same time... But that's a
1: terrible price to have to pay for something a like huge, that.
5: Huge, huge price to pay. Huge, huge price to pay. But his safety is paramount, like obviously. So for for fear that if you
1: were, well. to, for fear that if you were to report it, um, that there would be repercussions or retaliation.
5: Yeah, it was reported, but um, it's up to. Um, my grandson, you know, he he just wanted
1: to. No, I know that. I know that. That's what I'm saying. He he's in fear yeah. of taking it any further. I know what you're saying. Yeah,
5: and they were seeing, they were seeing up around the area where he lives, where he's They're a good bit out, and um, they have no business up there. Like,
1: okay, no business whatsoever. Is he slow no now to go out on his own, or not, do you have?
5: He hasn't, since September, he hasn't been out on his own. If he if he does go with his friends, um my daughter has to like they went. Somewhere, and so I won't even say nowhere he went because I'm afraid kids, you know, they'd be followed. But, um, even like if he's dropped somewhere, my daughter has to wait somewhere to pick him up. His People life has been turned upside down.
1: It has been. People will be absolutely raging with anger oh, to hear stories
5: think like this. Everybody I told like some girls who have boys the same age, like, you know, they just cried, they just said, This is it's. You
1: know? But 15 years old, even the guards will tell you, what can they do with these characters at 15? Oh, yeah. oh you know? they,
5: they were horrified. They were horrified. And even called in a couple of times to see what, how was he doing, and they just said, like, what well, a lovely boy. What an awful shame. And they just thought, he's loved, but he is. he's a, a lovely gentleman. I know oh, he I is,
1: I know he is. Of course he is. a good family, and with a good lovely. grandmother. He's such a
5: lovely, lovely child. You know, I used to always call him when he was little my sidekick. But um, he's just such a love, he loved entertaining people when he was young. Like it can take him a
1: while to build up. I know, but I know, and absolutely. I hope that he does. But the unfortunate thing is it. that these 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 thugs are still out there.
8: Yeah. You know. Yeah.
1: And yeah, it, it, it it unfortunately it shouldn't be your grandson that brings them you know. to justice. I mean, having to yeah. change schools is absolutely yeah. horrific. Yeah. But imagine that there are other people who have had to do even worse than that, and probably have to oh, change yeah. homes. Oh,
5: totally! Oh, totally! Yeah, and if that's what it's going. That's what's going to happen, actually.
1: Totally Thank happening. You. I came across the story recently of a they're family happening. who are living quite happily for many, many years, raised children and all, in a particular yeah. area of Cork. But they just can't take it there anymore. With the shouting yeah. and the roaring and the fighting and the and yeah, the drug dealing, yeah. and they're leaving. They're just leaving.
2: Yeah,
5: well... This what this the like. His life is what's important. So no matter what, we all have to do. We have know, to do. Because I know.
1: I know. It's just, just a, awful.
5: Super, super boy like.
1: And anyway, so but, um, wouldn't it be nice to find a yes, couple who came to his aid?
5: Yeah, they were like we we the J club but um like you know the way when things happen you just can't think at the time and. We just can't believe it happened anyway but we just want to thank this fantastic couple only for them. God knows what would have happened. God knows what would have happened.
1: So So we're talking about they'll know who they are or somebody will know them 17th of September in the Glanmire area.
5: Yeah. And they might have told somebody Yeah what happened and that person might come back and tell them that there was somebody on the radio That
1: poor innocent lad, you know, yeah. just going about his life this and happy as he was and then they take this all that away really from him and leave him with the consequences yeah. of it. Listen yeah. um, there's a chap just texted me, he's a cork builder he wants to give your grandson a 100 euro voucher, buy himself a pair of runners or a bit of clobber or something right. um, just to, you know, I'll get I it in, I'll get, I, I get it,
5: it just, I'm shocked over it I know, <laughs> so yeah, oh, I know Every time we think of him, like of that happening, like, and he's taller than he'd be taller than these guys, like. But he's 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 not that way inclined to fight back, you know.
1: Listen, or, even if he were, he's not going to win against a guy with a knuckle duster who's going around in a pack. It's
5: not, it's You're not. It's no, it's no. It's no not. And I we just said to him, look, you be the way you are. You're just a very special boy. And I said the thing about these people. I said. Is it's not you I said it's them because there's something totally. seriously wrong in their lives that they have to go out and do this
1: totally yeah and also unfortunately a lot do do of the time no because they that. well because they know that their age gives them a free pass yeah
5: yeah,
1: yeah. and is it, it's very interesting how angry and annoyed and upset the guardier about it because they would be oh, they very frustrated heart, right? yeah very frustrated. But listen, if we, can, if we can find that couple, let's see if we can and um, to get them in touch with you to say thank you. And in the meantime, I'll get my hands on that voucher from the chap who just texted and uh, I'll get a postal address. He can buy himself a new pair of runners or something.
5: Oh, he
1: would be strange. Thank you so much. <laughs> ah, it's only something tiny, but I think it's a very kind I gesture know, from that it's text. Lovely, like, it's yeah, lovely.
5: People can be lovely as well. All right.
1: Okay. All right. Well, listen. Look Thank after you yourself, much. Angela, and do come back to me. And I'll be in touch if anybody comes and t- tells me who they are, and we can put Thank them in touch with the people that much. came to his aid. Exactly. Thank
5: you so much. For okay. All
1: for right. Take care. Take care. Thank, Take care.
5: You.
1: Thank you. Bye. The life and times we live in, huh? isn't it true? Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. On that one, should you choose to get involved in the conversation, pick up the phone on oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. Back after the break.
0: Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. So if, Red you are, FM. if you are that
1: couple, do get in touch. Text 086-8104-106. Angela and the family want to say thank you for your intervention. Can't come on air for obvious reasons, but that gang are attacking people daily in Glanmire. They use any reason at all. I hope. I know that lady and I know her grandson and it's so sad. Um, keep those texts coming. Text 086-8104-106. With a chap on Lee side, a builder offered a hundred euro for the lad, be a lovely little gesture, go buy himself a pair of runners, might feel a bit better. And then I had uh, a John Comer, who's a publican in London, listens online, wants to match the Builder's 100. So that's 200 euros. It's a nice little kind gesture. We always get that from Cork people. So well done to both of you. we put Angela in touch with them both, and that'll be a nice little gift for him. One quick one. What's happening with the Kettle interchange at the moment? Some days I pass very quickly, and other days I'm stuck for half an hour coming from Silver Springs. Well, there was a time when you'd be lucky if it was only half an hour. There's only one lane going into the tunnel. Maybe you can shed some light in the traffic's bonkers no matter when you go. It's awful, and here was I thinking it should have got better because they've opened some of the intersections, the new ones. So it should be improving, not getting worse. But I do know that uh, hairy babies have now issued a new T-shirt. It's called "I Survived Ket Hell." <laughs> They're always so spot on, aren't they? And it's got a load of kind of a, you know, squiggly, quiggly drawings like Spaghetti Junction, interpreting the drawing as being the Dunkettle interchange. I survived Dunkett. Hell. Get your hands on one of those hairy babies t-shirts online. 4 to
0: 106 Red Fm. This is the Neil
1: Frendival Show. Yes, indeed, because you got the BBC, you got RT, and you got ITV all doing um, the World Cup coverage. It's hard to watch the ITV stuff, isn't it though? Because it's not n- it's not normally just up on the sky television platform. You have to go looking for it and, you know, downloading it and all sorts of things like that. I think it's a problem with ITV. On Sky in Ireland because of uh, the advertising rights to it. But that's where Roy Keane is uh, doing his thing. You heard uh, Rory talking about Keane saying that the World Cup shouldn't be held in Qatar. It's late for that now. But I, I just love the fact that Keane has an opinion and he's not afraid to say it. Another thing that he was talking about yesterday on his punditry was uh, all to do with uh, whether or not, um, you know, Harry Kane or others should be wearing the One Love armband. Here's what it would to say on that.
4: Did, did it put England and Wales in a difficult position in the sense they wanted to make the protest, but they didn't want to risk a, a major player potentially being suspended for a knockout game or the third game for something they did in the open? But, but I think the players could have done it for the first game and took the punishment, whatever that might be. Kane, obviously, you're risking saying if he's going to get a yellow card, if that was going to be the punishment, but that would have been a great statement. Do it for the first game. If get you get your yellow card, what a message that would have been from Kane or Bale. Take your medicine and then the next game you move on. You don't wear it because obviously again, you don't want to be getting suspended. But I think it was a big mistake. I think both players, particularly, obviously we're talking about Wales and England here, should have stuck to their guns and done it. Whatever pressure from outside and from their own associations, have the belief, if that's what you believe, and go with
1: it. He's gold, isn't he, for television punditry? He really and truly is gold, and I just love the fact that he always speaks his mind. And a cork, a great, great cork ambassador, and a fantastic soccer player in his own right. Bit like Cuevie and Kelleher. Lovely text here. Morning. This is a last resort, and I know you may not be able to help me, but maybe you can. My son is a huge Liverpool fan, and all he wants from Santi this Christmas is a trip to Anfield. Now, Santi will bring the trip to Anfield, so Santa Claus is all that sorted. The only other thing he wants is Cueveen Kelleher to sign a keeper's jersey for him. We've tried all angles, but unfortunately we have not been successful. Surely, as he's from Cork, there is someone who listens to your programme who knows Cueveen Kelleher and will get him to sign a jersey for my son, says Kate. You're right, Kate, there probably is. And if there is, I hope they get in touch with me and we could make this happen. Um, um, Unfortunately, even though... If I were to pick a soccer club that I would support... Soccer isn't, isn't my main game. It, I mean, everybody knows that. It's tennis. But I do have a particular draw uh, for Liverpool and for Anfield, the soccer club and the city itself. But if it were, say, for instance, a Man United jersey, I have fierce contacts there, you know. But Liverpool, I, I wouldn't even know where to start, you know, with having to, without having to go over and meet some people over there. But you'd never know who could be listening that might know Quiveen or the family, and when he's back could get a jersey signed by him so guys if you can help out on that one would you please get in touch with me 868-104-106. It's a small thing, but to the little lad, it would be like a million dollars. Meanwhile, you know, talking about kind gestures and lovely things, I just want to take this opportunity to wish Stacey at Shandon Flowers happy anniversary because they're 20 years in business today. And over those years, they have been regular contributors to this program and are always there whenever I needed bouquets of flowers to give away on the air for various occasions. So happy anniversary for today, Stacey. She says to me, 20 years in business. And I saw this on Instagram this morning. They are leaving bouquets of flowers in random locations around the city throughout the week. So if you come across a bouquet of flowers in a random location and you're wondering what the heck's going on, that's Shandon flowers, just saying thank you. It's an act of kindness to give something back. Uh, and I'm happy that you're 20 years in business and continue to thrive, but that's a lovely touch. So over the course of the rest of the week, there will be Random bouquets of flowers left in various parts of the city as she says herself in the city throughout the city throughout the week and if you come across one they're yours they're yours take them home and enjoy them text 0868104106 for all other business lots of texts and I want to get an opportunity to get through can Kevin wait just one second if you don't mind I just want to do one or two things before I go back to the phone lines because it's important otherwise i get backed up here we go First among them is my Diamond Dilemma with Michelle the Jewelers on Patrick Street. And every day this week we have 200 euro vouchers to give away every day. You win the voucher, take it into Michelle the Jewelers. They're 60 years doing the business in Cork City, family run, uh, and really and truly are definitely worth visiting this side of Christmas. So a 200 euro voucher every day this week. So it is a Diamond Dilemma because I have the diamonds from a deck of cards. Only the diamonds and I will open the phone lines before midday today caller 9 and caller 10 will get on air to pick a diamond just give me a number card and I'll flick through To the number that you've chosen, and I'll tell you what the card is. Whichever of the two gets the highest card wins the 200 euro voucher. All right, so that's happening uh, just before midday today, courtesy of ourselves. And Michelle, the jewelers, celebrating 60 years of business in Cork and also uh, regular competitions on air with Michelle's, and I thank them for it. Also happening between now and midday today is our five star giveaway with Soundstore, and that's worth a massive 10,000 euro. We know three of the voices. The second, the fourth, and the fifth voice have been identified. The second, the fourth, and the fifth. So we know the three that have been identified are Angela Lansbury, Laura Whitmore, and Niall Horan. So the two voices that need to be identified are the first voice and the third. See, I'm dropping some more clues again this morning. So the first and the third. Have a listen. I love
2: corks. Right. FM.
1: I love Corks Red FM. So the word I and Corks, they're the two voices that you need to identify. I love Corks Red Red FM. I'll open the phone lines on that in about 15 minutes' time. Just have guesses, guys. You never know how lucky you could ge- be. Identify those two. And then give me all the five in the correct order. I'll give you €10,000 cash to spend at Soundstore, celebrating the opening of the new electrical superstore at Market Green Retail Park. So it's voice number one and voice number three. Back to the phone lines we go. Kevin, good morning. Oh yeah, how are Thanks so much. Is that phone line all right for you? Can you hear me okay? I can hear you all right. Okay, that's not too bad. Listen, I was chatting there a few minutes ago with Angela about her grandson who got a bad beating down in Glanmire from Thugs, about 15-year-old Thugs. I'm told it's not for the first time, nor the last. Uh, and then we got kind gestures from people offering little vouchers for the guy uh, by himself, pair of runners, whatever he wants to do. And then I got a text from you saying, are you, in, are you in Sleeping Beauty at the Opera House, Panto? I am indeed,
6: yeah. I'm performing it this year. But I just, I just thought it'd be a nice idea to give him... Uh, two tickets if he wanted to come with a friend or something or if he wanted to take his nan as well Angela sounded lovely
1: (laughs) Why would you want to do something like that? What prompted you?
6: Well I was just on the wings of rehearsals actually there myself my nan was dropping me in and we were listening and I just got very upset like I had the broken there listening to it and to be honest I was actually in tears just because I just think obviously you wouldn't like that happening to anyone but he just sounds like a very sweet boy and I suppose I mean when I was growing up I suppose, like it, kind of resonated with me in the sense that I think I was that bit different growing up, and i never would have been the one to retaliate in a fight. You describe yourself as the
1: quiet child. Well, I know I know what your mum and dad would say different. that, but you know, you weren't you weren't yeah, looking for or involved was, in trouble. Yeah, yeah.
6: No, exactly. I was a bit of like in school, like I was all into my studies, and like I did acting and I did dancing outside of school and stuff. So I suppose I wasn't. Again, that fellow was going around playing Gaelic football and, you know... And was that ever people, an so, issue,
1: like, your artistic uh, tendencies, for you as a
6: kid? Uh, no, not really. I had a great group of friends as well, and we were all kind of very similar. So, like, I was fortunate in that sense, and I was never, ever subject to anything like the abuse that that poor child has faced. Well, so, and, and I don't I just,
1: know for any amount of certainty whether he was targeted because of his artistic tendencies. He's obviously into performing arts and dance, Bit like your bit like your background. Do you think there was a target on a kid's back? If that's the case,
6: but no, I suppose anyone who's in any way different, I suppose people and w- w- would seek that out. Are they? They're probably just looking for an excuse to go at anyone. So I'm sure if there was another person, they probably would have went that him. But it's just the fact that it was himself, and because I would maybe see a small bit of. I think he was picked up because him. he
1: was because he was in their eyes different.
6: You know. Yeah, exactly. But then they're the so same. They're the they, same
1: you know, morons. Then that sit down and watch movies from from breakfast time to midnight or one or two in the morning. And they don't realise where <laughs> actors exactly come that. from. You know.
6: Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. Stupidity so, of it all. Yeah. Just something small, I suppose, because you know, obviously it's not going to make it better. But I just want to say as well, like that he shouldn't be scared. I know, like things like this. Like in happening, he might be a bit scared from it, but he shouldn't be ever scared to be going around and be being himself. And like, why don't we get him in there? Why could like get? Power, him, why you know can't I mean?
1: we get him backstage, uh, Kevin? Meet the cast.
6: I think we should be able to do that, shouldn't we? No, the cast might
1: be going, who, who does Kevin think he is organising all this? I know, I mean, I'll we'll get, I think Trevor Ryan, I'll twist his arm. I'll twist one arm and yeah, will twist the other. Yeah,
6: Trevor will make it happen. Yeah, exactly. I'll and give you, Trevor a coffee this afternoon.
1: Yeah, just mention you were chatting on air. Trevor will make it happen. I'd love to get the lad backstage, meet the cast. I really think it would be a great bonus for him.
6: Yeah, he'd love it. I'd, I'd really love to make that happen. That's I'd fantastic,
1: Kevin. That's just fantastic if we can make that happen. You're playing Chester the yeah. Jester in Sleeping Beauty. Is that right?
6: I am indeed. Chester the Jester, the one and only. And I've, I've another friend on stage with me as well in the form of a puppet called Bruno. So I'm kind of, I'm doing two parents, Neil, but I'm only getting paid for the one... <laughs> Money. You want to get on to equity about that, pal? Don't no talk, no point talking about it. I know, I know, and it was all agreed. It was all agreed after the contract signing, which I was traumatized about. But you know what? you know. I yeah. oh, no, I'd see all of the money. See, all, all of
1: the money is going to Frank Mackey, I'd say that's the problem.
6: <laughs> you said it, not me. You said it.
1: Anyway, I can't wait to see you do your thing on the stage. That's a lovely gesture. If we can get him backstage to meet the cast, that would be fantastic. Kev, come back to me, will you?
6: Can do that, and you can have a bag of sweets at the interval.
1: <laughs> I'll talk to the gang okay. This is just a <laughs> gift that keeps on giving. Thanks, Kevin. Cheers.
0: Call the Neil Prenderville show now. 0818 104 106 Ah yeah. Red FM. Some
1: people are saying that I'm jinxed. I just think it's bittersweet. I'm absolutely delighted. Rory may have might have got Argentina in the World Cup buster here at Red FM, but <laughs> right now Saudi Arabia are beating Argentina two one. And it's 60 minutes into the game. Now, I don't know what's going to happen in the next 30 minutes, but 2-1 Argentina are being beaten by Saudi Arabia. Just casting our minds back to a text a few minutes ago from Kate with regards to her son, who is a huge Liverpool fan. Santa Claus is bringing a trip to Anfield. All is good. The only thing she was looking for was to get a signed jersey from the keeper, the keeper's jersey signed. By Cork's own Cuevie and Kelleher and I put the shout out out there I'm happy to say I have some very very good news um Anne Hagerty actually who I have to say is a pal of mine I know her I know the entire family Anne, good morning hang on a second let me get myself sorted here can you hear me now Anne hi Neil
5: how are you morning, good morning. to
1: you I never I knew a lot about you and all of the family
5: but I didn't <laughs>
1: never know that you were Cuevie and Kelleher's aunt
5: yeah, Quivine is Jim's nephew, and he's the youngest of a uh, family of six. Twenty-three, he's the nicest guy you could meet. Do you see him often? And I mean,
1: is he back often?
5: He's not back that often, to be honest with you, Neil, because it's a busy time at the moment. But he was he was out injured for a while there, and his poor uncle died, so he oh. was home there for the wedding for the, the funeral. funeral but um, oh, he's a gorgeous guy. But as soon as he gets back, we'll get him to sign that jersey.
1: Hang on a second there, because I have Kate, who sent me the text actually, looking for this to happen. Kate, good morning. Good
5: morning, Neil.
1: Well, isn't that incredible within the space of ah. 10 minutes we solved thank your you dilemma?
5: Thank you so
1: much. I really appreciate it. little boy delighted. Ruben,
5: isn't it? Yeah.
1: And how old is little Ruben? Seven. Well, Santa Claus is going to sort him out for Anfield, and Anne is going to get the jersey sign. We just need to get a keeper's jersey now. you
5: have one I have one, I
1: have one. Yeah. and why is he such a big quevy Kelleher fan? such a big um, Liverpool fan? Yeah,
5: he just loves Liverpool um and queaving is just his, he just idolises them for some reason he don't want to look a number one goalkeeper at all. he just loves. <laughs>
1: sooner or later he'll be the number one goalkeeper we think
5: oh he I think Ruben thinks so anyway well, yeah. of
1: course he does and also Ruben is mad about him because he's a Cork lad
5: yeah and yeah yeah
1: has he ever been to Anfield before or anything like that
5: uh, not, not yet but Chris Fenty is going to be bringing it it's so. going to
1: be fantastic
5: well there's yeah. no problem
1: getting that done you have the jersey so get the jersey to me I will get it to Anne and Anne will
5: get it signed Perfect. Thank
1: you so much. Delighted to be able to help you out in that regard. Thank
5: you very
1: much. (laughs) All right, Kate, look after yourself. You'll be in touch and bring the jersey. So what kind of a lad is he? Has it changed him at all, all this fame, Anne?
5: Oh, not at all, Neil. He's the most down-to-earth guy you can meet. He's so lovely and he's superb to his mom. His mom... Uh, The dad died a few years ago, so he's unbelievable. He's the nicest guy you can meet, and very down to Yeah, I know. Very ordinary.
1: Yeah, I know, and I'm sure that he put in huge work to get to the top of his game. In fairness, and like, but the talent was always there. He got all of the breaks at the right time, and he's going from strength to strength. How does he? How does he deal with all of the fans, though?
5: He's just very. He's just himself, Neil, and he's very ordinary and. He just, uh, he's very confident. He just loves what he does. And he's a normal guy from Cork. And (laughs) he's just lucky. He just counts himself lucky to be where he is. And we just all love him because he's so normal.
1: I love it. This is great. And we're so proud of him. Listen, Anne, thank you so much for jumping on board here and sorting this out. Can you imagine how Uh, excited Ruben will be? we'll delighted.
5: start that mail we'll definitely I'll get on to Jacqueline out this evening I tried calling her and she's, she's a PE teacher and the dad was a PE teacher I know so alright they're all very fit in
1: that family alright well no doubt the apple doesn't far fall fall far from the tree then listen that's lovely we'll make that happen I'll get the jersey to you you can get it signed and wish them all our best will you all of the family and Cueveen as will well
5: indeed Thank you so much, Neil. See you I'm Anne. delighted for Reuben. Well, well Neil, done. Thank Professor. you so
1: much. Bye. I never knew that in all those years. Or maybe somebody told me about one year and out the other. You know the way it is. Uh, lots of other texts and different topics. I will bounce back to them in a few minutes' time. But Liam has been waiting for quite some time. Just wanted to jump in, kind of on one of the conversations we were having earlier this morning. Liam, good morning. And uh, can you hear me all right, Liam?
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Yep. Good okay. Day, Neil. Thanks a lot. Now, I, I was talking earlier about you know the issue regarding the fact that there are a lot of jobs available here. A lot of it is in retail, a yeah. lot of it is in hospitality. Not everybody wants to take these jobs, and then we hear of people coming into the country, some of them legally, through legal routes, others not. And I was just suggesting that the more people that come here, for all of the right reasons, the more opportunities there will be to take up the jobs that need filling. Did you want to pick up on that with regards to hospitality? Yeah, it's
8: just like there's been a lot of talk about hospitality, specifically through COVID, you know, and a lot of people got out of the industry and probably never went back I mean, for various reasons. But there's a lot of people who run hospitality businesses that need to kind of have a look at themselves, Neil, because... You're you know, in it, like, but getting out of it, are you? Well, I'd like to get out of it, but I need a job at the same time. Okay. Um, it's just, you know, you're doing like nine, ten hour shifts, sometimes with no break. Um, you might get a 10-minute break where you, you get handed a, a handful of goujons at, like, midnight. You know, that's your dinner, basically. You know, you're supposed to be finishing at 1 o'clock, and you end up stuck there till 4 in the morning, Like, which is grand. I'm used to late nights. I've worked in hospitality most of my life. I just think there's another side to the story when you get people coming on and saying, oh, we can't get staff, we can't get staff, people are lazy. There's another side to it, and I'm not... Trying to tar everyone with the same brush and saying everyone who runs hospitality businesses, whether it's pubs or hotels or whatever. Okay, well let's are, let's just drill into.
1: Bad. Okay, let's just drill into one of the things you said here to four. You're supposed to finish at midnight at one o'clock in the morning, but you could yeah. be there till four. Now, I'm just you would be paid for the extra hours. Would oh you? Yes, yes. Okay, yes. but that's not what this is about. This is the fact that the hours
8: are so long and the breaks yeah. are so bad. And like, you, you, what, what sparked that email yesterday was. You know, and this—I know—it might sound minor, but you know, it's my day off, right? So yes, was your day off. I went to watch the movie because I'm tired from the week. You know, it was a busy week, and I'm trying to watch a movie, and I'm constantly getting texts from my boss. You know, like oh, I need to change your roster. My roster changes every day. You like, never every know. Every, then. T- every time I go in, there's a change. Now he's lucky that I don't have kids or anything. You know <laughs> that I don't have to do school runs. And I always say yes. So I never argue, never. But I, I, as I said, I just want to put a new spin on it. And just if people are a bit more friendly, I know businesses change, and you know functions come up, and things like that. But maybe the industry needs to have a look at itself, okay. and maybe start treating treating people a little bit better. You okay. know.
1: Okay. Why on Why on a day off would you either not turn your phone off or ignore messages, particularly if you're socialising at the cinema why do you feel that you have to be on alert like that?
8: because I get in trouble if I don't
1: no you wouldn't it's your day off you're at the cinema you're entitled what happened was I got a
8: text saying that my roster is changing for Wednesday Um, so I said I'll I'll text back after the movie and within two minutes I got a text with like a bunch of question marks as in why haven't you got back to me yet?
1: Uh, that's aggressive pal it is, isn't it? That is aggressive now. Like that's overstepping the mark. Like,
8: yeah,
1: you know, and it's that like, puts you so on alert. Like that's got your, you know, yeah. your chest pounding. I'd say.
8: Oh well, it's it's just rude. It is. You know, it's just plain rude, and it's like I'm I'm old enough to kind of deal with it. Like, but the, you know, I work with a lot of you know, hospitality. You have got a lot of younger staff, and they're all knackered all the time because their breaks are all over the place and.
1: You know, it's just well. It's well, not, well firstly, well, firstly, the wages wouldn't be the greatest, right? No. And then you have your roster changing all of the time, and then you're working later hours than you had been rostered for. It yeah. certainly, it certainly is a single. It's a single person's game in the first place. You want to be seriously healthy and not have a whole lot of commitments to children or a marriage or a relationship no. to begin with. Yeah?
8: No, definitely
1: yeah. not. Definitely not. And like, then the I am, business of aggressive yeah. texts on a day off, and somebody sending question marks, which is, you know, it's just, it's just not on. Uh, it's tantamount to bullying. Well, but that's what I just said to you a while ago. People yeah. wonder why hospitality can't get staff.
8: You know, like, it, it's, you know, I'll, I'll text you back when I'm ready, you know, when the movie's over. It's only a couple of hours away. Yeah. Well, what would happen if you said that?
1: What would happen if you say I'm on, I'm on a day off. I'm watching a film.
8: You see, I could, but then you just end up getting into an argument, you know, and with your boss, and I just couldn't be bothered. And is
1: is it like that because it's so short-staffed that they're constantly juggling and updating the rosters because they're literally just trying to rob Peter to pay Paul?
8: I don't know. That they're not short-staffed that at all. I mean, I'm a manager, like so the, the manager's roster is kind of the same every day. I don't know what, why it changed. I, I didn't ask why it changed. There might have been a late-minute function or something booked. So I'm not sure. I'll find out when I get in there. That's another thing. You get no information from them, you know? like So I'm going in a few hours early, but I haven't been told if I'm finishing earlier or what. You know? yeah, like yeah, what, yeah.
1: So what would a typical shift be lengthwise?
8: Uh, well, you're rostered for eight hours, but like you'd say... Particularly on the weekends, you'll end up doing 9, 10, or sometimes 11. Is it, a, like, car- it's, it's, Is it like, a career
1: path that you would recommend to somebody who wanted to get into, say, hotel management, that the path you're on will bring you to being the manager of your own hotel?
8: Oh, yeah, I wouldn't tell anyone not to go into it, but I would tell people to be a bit wary. That, you know, it's not sure. Like your starting times, your finishing times. You know, as you said, if... You know, when it comes to having a family, and that you know, hours can change, hours can vary. You wouldn't be relying on picking up the kids at a certain time. You might want to have a plan B. So,
1: and um, how much of how much of the staff, say for instance, in hospitality, would be Irish, and how many do we rely on from overseas?
8: Um, well, where I work, they're pretty much all Irish. I'd say ninety. Nineteen, ninety-five percent are Irish. That sounds strange
1: to me, the experiences yeah. that I would have had. I deal with people in hospitality from yeah. all over the world in Cork. So that's kind of... Yeah.
8: Now, I, I of only deal with the restaurant side of it. So okay. the actual hotel itself, it could be a bit different. I don't really deal with And that. are they always looking for staff? Uh, not really, no. Okay. Well, I think that seems
1: to be out of the ordinary from what I'm hearing within well, hospitality.
8: They're mostly students and they kind of live locally. So it kind of suits them and it suits the hotel as well, you know. Okay,
1: okay. So what would you be telling them to do differently? I mean, I think you, you work with staff who have to, it says here you had to send one of the staff out the back yesterday because he was so tired.
8: Yeah, yeah because he he had worked like 11 hours a day before and he, like he only had like nine hours between going home and getting back into work. And he was he was stressed, I could tell by his face he was stressed, like he didn't come up to me and complain or anything. And I just said, look, just go up to the back there, take five minutes, just sit down for a few minutes for yourself and get yourself together and, and come back and he's a brilliant guy, you know.
1: Yeah, well, thankfully you don't engage in the same kind of hostility as you got in no, our text, thankfully. No,
8: never have, Neil, never have, I've yeah. been managing places mostly abroad. For you know, fifteen years, I've never. I always look after the people I supervise.
1: Yeah. Do they think that the industry is transient because they are by and large students and young people, and they're not going to stay anyway, so they can treat them anyway yeah. they
8: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, and then that's the other thing, you know, like the, a lot of them have worked in various different pubs and hotels around Cork, and like it, the story is the same, you know, like just long hours, you know, short breaks called in on your days off all that type of stuff you know
1: okay are you going to stay with a bit with that career choice
8: um ideally I I'd kind of I did a bit of retail I'd like to get back into that you know cause the delayed hours I'm getting a bit old for that now I'm in my 40s um but I'll see, I'll see what
1: comes up. Just before I let you go, and, and thank you for coming on here, I w- I'm going to read no this problem. now because it's connected to what you're saying. You may wish to just remain on hold and, and listen to it. It's an email that I got in uh, about 10 days ago. My apologies for not getting into it till now, but it's relevant now. I'm emailing to see what you make of my situation. I'm currently in my final year of college out in CIT. Uh, I started looking at part-time jobs in the city, and here is where my problem lies. I've applied for over 20 jobs, ranging from kitchen porter, cleaner, to various types of retail jobs. I've had, in total, four interviews and four emails reaching out to me saying that I'm not for them. All have been the typical generic email. You and your listeners might think that I'm some fella that can't be bothered or doesn't work hard enough, and I can tell you that it is the opposite. I have no issue with you giving, uh, with giving you names of managers I've worked for who can testify about me. It's not that I don't want to work. It's quite the opposite. I want to work. I want to earn a wage so that I can pay for college fees, give my grandparents rent, and to use the money socially. I know you and other people have talked often about how places are crying out for staff. I know it's mainly the hospitality sector. I've applied there as well. But I can't wrap my head around the fact that I've been turned down for so many jobs. If by any chance someone would be interested in employing me, I'm looking for a part-time job in the city centre. I'm looking to work around 15 hours a week. I'm available Fridays from half past two because I have college before then and all day Saturdays and all day Sundays. Here's my CV if you want to take a look and see what you make of it. And I did look at the CV and it's a damn fine one. So why then has this student been turned down for 20 jobs um, if everybody's crying out for retail and hospitality staff, sure. do you have a thought on that?
8: See, there's a lot that doesn't make sense, you know. Um, I, I don't have an answer to that question, Neil, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, the, CV, the CV is terrific. Like,
1: loads of experience in retail. The uh, references are here as well. There's an incredible background in IT. Um, very sporty kind of individual. Very fit. Um, but, wh- like, what else do you expect for a student looking
8: for a part-time job? Yeah, because, I mean, w- with bars, I mean, like, I'm not in charge of the hiring where I'm working at the moment, but I used to be in charge in other places I've worked, and you always, what you do is you give someone a trial, and you, you give them a couple of days, and you just, it's more about personality, you know, and as long as they're not lazy and they have a decent enough personality to be able to engage with customers, then you, you just give them the job. I'll Pass know, it on like, for
1: what it's worth. This is a typical example of a young student, um, yeah. a BIS student, incidentally, out in um, in CIT. I
8: just can't get a job. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. I don't
1: know. Look after yourself. Thanks for taking the call. Get some rest. Cheers, no. Liam. Thanks. Thanks, Neil. Ellen. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. Um, did your daughter do hospitality then? That would be in in Shannon, would it?
5: Yes, she was in Shannon for five years and came out with a 1st on degree in business and hotel management. Okay,
1: and a lot of money had to be invested in that, I believe.
5: Yes, a lot of money, a lot, a lot of money. Um, well, we didn't think twice about it. We, we put her down there and she was happy. She ended up going to uh, Germany for 12 months at only 18 years of age. And she walked in the... Uh, um, the Adelon, it's right there at the Brandenburg Gate.
1: Five star, been, I think a five star hotel. Five, five yeah, star, yeah,
5: okay. five star and they loved her. They loved her. But the, it wasn't just her, they treated the staff so well and your time was your time but your time off was just as precious in their eyes. Um, you know, they wanted their staff to be happy and she spent a the year there and she actually ended up crying coming home. I mean,
1: Sounds as if she had of. a perfect placement.
5: Do you know what she did? And we were very worried about her because she went, a lot of her class that time went to Lisbon and they were all grouped together. And like some of them went to Tenerife and they were living the life on the beach, whereas Eva was on her own and it just worked out really well for her in the end. Uh, okay, sounds uh, if they all
1: won, yeah, so they're great experiences but did she do, oh, like it's five years and it's upwards of 50 yes. grand to get through the hospitality yes. college in Shannon, yes. it's not cheap. Did she have any no. placements in Ireland?
5: She she finished out, she had to do her, her final year uh, in on, on, on the job as well in here, in, in Ireland and she finished this in another five-star hotel. Okay, I don't want to know the Irish no, five-star hotel. No, but what was no, her
1: treatment no. there for that placement?
5: Um, no, no, totally different. How? Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. Just given the job, three, four people.
1: The uh, work of three or lot. four
5: people? Yes, and, and I suppose, look, a, a young girl as well, she might not finish her job until two in the morning and she'd have to get on her little bicycle and cycle 5K. And I know, oh, look, come here, don't get me wrong. You know, you 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 know, like that's no problem. But at that hour of the it's night. It's
1: not ideal at that hour of the night. However, you know, maybe I just uh, I'm just curious though. Um, and
5: but she got on with us. I mean, she got on with it. And
1: maybe she, those and hours come with working in hotels or
5: hospitality. ten These things, these the, oh, come here, coming at 7 o'clock in the morning. These things are all understandable. You expect all these things. But she would have changed departments a few times. You know, just to get the the feel of different parts of the job and. It progressively got a little bit worse and worse and look Camille listen it's like this now. My daughter's over in Melbourne. I don't know will she ever work in a hotel industry in this country? Now she could've
1: she could have qualified and worked here but chose to go to Australia.
5: Oh God, yeah. She was gone. Yeah, she took her degree and she went.
1: Did she go alone?
5: No. Three of her classmates went with her.
1: You see? They're all going. You see?
5: Yeah, of course. Did she and stay two more have in since ha- gone. what? And two more have since gone.
1: That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm hearing it all the time myself. I think. Anybody and another knows. one in
5: Lisbon. Sorry, actually, about twenty percent of them, at least. Um, and the reasons, years. the reasons
1: they went. What were they?
5: It's the working conditions here. I mean, it's it's, it's a special lifestyle over, and who are we to begrudge them?
1: No, you're you know, not. My heart,
5: my heart is broken. My girl is gone. It's
1: a big difference going to Melbourne and Australia than, say, going to the UK, Europe, or even Canada, or America. It's very far.
5: (laughs) Oh, sure, I wanted her to go to the (laughs) UK. I'd be over in 40 minutes, you know.
1: You feel as if you've lost her.
5: 100%.
1: And tell me, is she still in hospitality over there?
5: No. She actually walked away from it, but she took her business degree, thank God then anyway, Galway, and she got a very good job over in Melbourne in recruitment.
1: It was an so, expensive lesson to learn though I have to say and fifty grands worth
5: absolutely, but you know what you know she could come back and she could fall back into it because it's an education that is 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 you never forget I mean she can come back and she can to the, the best hotels in Cork and, and they will be glad to get her because it's hard to get those, the, the, those yes. qualifications.
1: she may or hard. may not do that, who knows, but she's got her in her back pocket, but you must be in the back of your mind that she will fall in love or settle down and not come
5: back. 100% Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she's not shocked on the
1: looks department. Well, she's a popular girl then. In fairness, notwithstanding <laughs> that you don't have to have good looks to fall in love, I understand that. But my point is that she may—that may be her yes. home. You know, she may never decide to come back, and that's heartbreaking. You know.
5: So look, what can I do?
1: No. Well, she's what's, what's most important is she's not in a job that she dislikes, and she's in a place she where good. she's happy, right?
5: Yeah, she's shocked. I mean. You all get six in the morning and off to work, and she's, she's really happy. My sister's living without the last five years. So, I mean, she's happy. She's genuinely, she's happy. And once she's happy, we're happy. I know. And she can come home in the morning and she can go off. She's a huge grafter. She's an old, a young girl, but she's a real old-style grafter. Yeah, I, I had her walking for her money at a very young age. You
1: didn't get anything in my house free. You instilled it into, yeah, I know, I know. know. Oh,
5: there's a Brillo pad there if you want credit. Oh, well, I mean, I
1: know know of all of the young people that are leaving, and the the only way I can kind of rationalise it is by saying it's important to go and to see things, and it's important to be happy. And, you know, there's no point doing things that you're not... Who wants to spend their lives in a job that they hate? Or a country where they see no opportunity to ever buy a house or the standard you know, of living or the weather and all of the things, you know, that we, we go on about.
5: You know, I know, but what we can do is, you know, wish them well.
1: And go on the adventure. And
5: always remember
1: home home. I know, I know. Well, good luck to her. Listen, nice to catch up with you. And uh, I'm glad that things are working out for her and that she's happy. She won't be home for Christmas, though.
5: No, but my men is going over and my sister, Trish. Is
1: that They're right? They're going
5: over. Yeah, yeah Actually, do yes, you know yes, something? Yes. I'd love to maybe... I'd love to
1: send her a hamper over there. Some lovely hampers to give away this Christmas time. Wouldn't that be nice? One of our paddy box hampers. Oh, she'd
5: love it. She would. She's As a love she, it.
1: Has she a bit Crazy. of a sweet tooth in her?
5: She's a terror she'd eat chocolate and it comes over of her ears and she'd I'd like, say you, like, I'd often say you know what even like you know it's going to catch you and she'd
1: always say you can't fatten a but <laughs> can't fatten a thoroughbred but... well we'll we'll see if we can with the paddy box they've got potato cheese and onion Barry's tea Cadbury's it. dairy milk Jacob's club oh, milks yeah. Jacob's chocolate Kimberly's Jacob's fig roll she used to share these with right. your sister Boland's custard oh, yeah. creams uh, refreshers stingers <laughs> Wham bars Chewitt's dib dabs macaroon oh, bars again. cola pops love hearts emerald caramels um, oh. we got Ballymaloo she relish
5: oh, she's oh, yeah,
1: well. right.
5: a great girl. I'll organise
1: one for her, her and we, we send it out, out and it'll be a nice Christmas present alright Oh, <laughs> alright good luck not a great phone line but thanks all the same Ellen there's also some McDonald's curry sauce and a spice bag mix in there as well and we have these patty boxes to give away this side of Christmas so you should be emailing who's, who's overseas email neil at redfm.ie I had intended starting to read the emails this morning but unfortunately it got away from me so I promise I will do it uh, tomorrow ok listen I'm going to open the phone lines now and get stuck into a couple of competitions right So first up, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take callers 9 and 10. We have a 200 euro voucher for Michelle the Jewelers on Patrick Street. So callers 9 and 10. Whoever picks the highest diamond card from the deck of cards, wins this morning's 200 euro voucher. So callers 9 and 10, pick up the phone 0818 104 106, there's a 200 euro voucher in it.
0: The Neil Brendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday 0818 104
1: 106. Listen lads, my uh, screen is frozen in here, so I don't know what the update is on the Argentina-Saudi Arabia game. Um, hang on, oh I do, it's still 2-1, Saudi Arabia with a minute of normal time left to go. I'm going to feed Argentina I'm delighted for <laughs> <Poor> old Rory <laughs> Don't always get what you wish for, lads. Anyway, we've got a 200 euro voucher. Let's do this and get on with it. Oh, the phone lines are now open as well for our five stars. So you need to identify these five voices. I told you three of them already. So we now know at this stage that number one is unknown. Number two is Angela Lansbury. Number three is unknown. Number four is Laura Whitmore. And number five is Niall Horan. So two voices to identify for 10 grand. I love Corks. FM. Get dialing now, 818104106 We're looking for those two voices. You'll win ten grand to spend in Soundstore. So get dialing for that. While well, that's happening, though... All right. Sounds like if I'm in a game show on television. the television sig tune and everything to go with it. Um, Long John Long at work in the St. Vincent de Paul shop in Carragulanga. Good morning. Very good morning, Neil. How are you keeping? Do they
6: call you Long John? Uh, no they call me small John <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Okay, but I'm ver- not that small I'm vertically that small. challenged is it uh,
6: not quite but okay. my, my late father's name was John as well so at home I was small John
1: ok well listen that's the background in ancestry let's see if we can get you a 200 euro voucher um, hang in there a second Gavin's in Ballafihan Gavin any nickname have you no, 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 no. no. I get away with that. We all have a nickname. They used to call me no, Nelly. Bro. What do they call you? Boy, <laughs> no, no nickname. Oh, you were lucky then. There. Huh? Gavin Nick. Lucky boy. Now, um, John, what are you gonna do if you win the two hundred?
6: Uh, treat the mummy so uh, I'll give the voucher to my mum. as a little
1: All treat right. for Christmas well, Stephanie your mam the most special lady in your life but oh Gavin is Absolutely. keeping it for himself I hear is that right Gav? yeah you have to treat yourself my mate you don't put yourself first boy nobody will ok yeah. I'm going to start with you John give me a number I've got the diamond set here the diamond uh, cards from the deck of cards and i got 13 of them so give me a number uh, number 2 please Neil 1, 2 oh you're not very adventurous now are you? <laughs> no and you should have been more adventurous it's the three of diamonds John no water, no water. You never you never know. I Gavin, live in hope. Gavin might hope. make a total hames of it. Gavin, give me a number between yeah. one and thirteen. It would be hard not to beat him incidentally. Go on. Uh, number seven, nice. One, two, three, four, five, six. Number seven is the seven of diamonds. That wasn't too hard to beat. <laughs> no, <that doesn't laughs> be. So unfortunately, John, you won't be getting anything for your mammy, not today anyway. But, uh, no,
0: out of my own pocket. Uh, yeah, listen, own
1: pocket. treat her all the same. But a 200 euro voucher for you, Gavin, to spend on yourself.
0: Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, pal, enjoy it. Stay on the phone, we yeah, get fine. further full details. So that's a two hundred euro voucher of Michelle the Jewelers. Patrick Street celebrating sixty years in business. Last bit of business now is our five star giveaway. I don't know how many I'll get on, guys, but we'll do as many as we can. So have a listen to this one more time and then we get the phone lines open on it. Have a listen. I
3: love corks. Right. FM.
1: Okay, Jerome is in y'all. Jerome, good morning. Hi, Neil. Okay, two voices outstanding. Go for it. What are they? Uh,
6: I go for Tommy Bo and Dorina Allen
1: Not today pal it certainly isn't either of them but thank you all the same Catherine and Mayfield
7: Hi Neil um, We know now right. at this
1: stage right Niall Horan mm-hmm. Laura Whitmore and Angela Lansbury so the other two please
7: Would be Ryan Tupperty and the Queen
1: Neither of them either
9: no
7: They're tough it. enough thank aren't
9: you. they
1: They're tough enough Very right? tough
7: Yeah
9: Okay yeah. Eileen's in
1: Lisgood. Yeah. Eileen good morning
9: Hello, Neil. Have a listen. Have a, a listen. To the, have a listen oh. to
1: the five here, right? So we know we know voice two is Angela Lansbury. We know voice four is Laura Whitmore. We know voice five is Niall Horan. Have a listen. I
5: love corks.
1: Right. FM. What do you think?
5: Is Ryan Turbotty number one and Dolly um, number three?
1: You actually think number three is female, do you? Yeah.
3: <laughs> Ain't
1: gonna happen today, girl. Ain't gonna happen today. Oh, okay. All right. Might squeeze in one or two more if I can after the break. If I can get them on well and good. 0818104106. Back after these.
0: Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Come
1: on, guys, let's get this one. €10,000 to give away, courtesy of ourselves in Sandstore Market Green Retail Park. We know voice two is Angela Lansbury. We know voice four is Laura Whitmore. We know Niall Horan is voice five. I gave you an extra clue there a couple of seconds ago if you picked up on it. I love Cork's Red but FM. Voice one and voice three need to be identified. Just very quickly, Niamh and Toker.
3: Marty Morrissey and Ruby Wax. Ruby Wax. Yeah.
1: Not today. Sorry about that. Diane is in Killer. Diane. Good morning.
3: Hi.
9: Um.
5: Pierce Brosnan and Mary Lou McDonald.
1: Nope. Uh, tomorrow I give out a list of all the wrong answers again. All right. Christine is in Bally Uh. Rod Stewart and
5: Liam Neeson.
1: No. I think that's the first Uh-oh. time Rod Stewart was guessed, but not right. And finally, Nev Griffin. And your morning.
5: Hi Neil, how are you?
1: Well, thank you for asking. What do you think?
5: I think one is Jamie Dornan, and three is Mark or Pierre White.
1: The chef. No.
5: no. Oh.
1: No, I nearly gave another, I nearly gave another hint there, but I will wait till tomorrow. Thanks, Neil. Thanks, Christine. Thanks, Diane, and thank you to the Neil Finn uh, talker as well. So we'll do it again tomorrow. It's worth ten grand, guys. Lines will stay open. Get involved in the conversation. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Email Neil at redfm.ie. Have a good day.
0: I'll see you tomorrow. Tune in to the Neil Prendiville Show weekdays from nine a.m. on Corks Red FM.